And welcome to Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. My name is Ben Townsend from bentownsendmusic.net and I'm joined as always by... Sam Townsend from samtownsendmusic.gr samtownsendmusic.gr mm. Well, interesting. Is it Germany? No. And my concern was that it if wouldn't it be GR. Right, GR. We're joined today by Simon Californication Longhorn. Hello there. Si- Hello, Simon. Hello, uh, Simon. Hello, Samuel. All right, Hello, Sam. Hi. Hello, Ben. Hello, Simon. Hello. Right, do you know what GR is? Um, no. GR. I thought oh, it was quite easy. Grena- Grenadine? Grenada. Grenada. No. Grenada. Hmm. I'm going to need a clue no. unless it's Greenland. And Greenland belongs to? America. No. Uh, who? The Danes. The Danes. Fantastic information. Give us a clue. Yeah, well, it begins with GR. Oh, right, okay. It's not Granada. No. And it's not Greenland. No. Gruh. Simon, come on, man. I'm trying. Another clue? Greece. 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 Brilliant. Well done. The, well home, done. the home of the internet. Really? Well, it's the home of the Olympic Games. How it certainly is. Now, did you know that Greece always parades first at the Olympics? First. And the host nation... Last, and everybody else alphabetically. That's correct. Yes, I do know that because uh, I was in Athens earlier this week. Yeah, setting up the site. Setting up the internet site. It's not not the whole internet. No. Um, And, uh, yeah, they told me all the facts about Greece. So uh, I've got all those now. Achilles, heel. Heel. um, Uh, Paris, the, the person, not the city. Of course, yeah. That was something to do with France. Brad Pitt and Eric Banner. Greece. Am I thinking, what's that film? Oh, that film Greece. That Troy. Like, but that's Greece, isn't it? Greece, I suppose, yeah. Or the film Greece. But that's Greece. The Americans will say Greece. Stopey on the uh, song says Greasy Window Slide. Yeah. So, so. yeah. But nobody says Greece. Some people do. All right. But okay. when, when differentiating between Greece and Greece, it's quite handy to say Greece. Simon, the film Greece, what do you call it? Greece. Thank you. Well, ask me, ask me that question. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm loath to. The film Greece, Sam, what do you call it? Do you mean Greece? The film Greece. <laughs> and the country Greece, what do you call it? Oh, yeah, I call that Greece. And Simon, do you call the country Greece? Uh, yeah. Yes! Great. That's one to me and well, Callum. We've got that sorted. Uh, yes, fantastic. Well, first of all, welcome. Huge- Welcome. We're very, very excited today. We're going into Blood Sugar Sex Magic Part 2. We are breaking it down as per the record. That's right. The, yes. The sides of the vinyl, the four sides of the vinyl. So we started off last time with a bumper-a-thon, a marathon, if you will. Again, going yes. back to Greece. Two terms Greece. there, one more well-known than the other one. Bumper-a-thon. And the marathon. It was certainly a bumper thon last time. We did the first five songs on uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. It was. I thought this is a this is a thon of some sort. <laughs> yes, I wonder what, what type of thon. And then it became clear as the episode wore on that it, it was, was a, in, fact in fact a bumper thon. Yeah. yeah. We did the first five th- songs. We absolutely loved it. The power of equality. If you have to ask, breaking the girl, funky monks, suck my kiss. Oh, Christ! What a, I mean, what an epic what a start. Time to be alive. What an epic start. But today. We've got some fantastic songs to talk about. We're going to talk about I Could Have Lied. Let me say one. 
Go on then. Mellowship's Linky and B Major. We're going to talk about The Righteous and The Wicked. And we're going to talk about Give It Away. We're going to talk about some songs here that I absolutely love. And one that you despise. Well, no, it, interesting. Oh. In listening to, to um, uh, The Righteous and The Wicked, or the, or the R and the W, as I've taken to calling it. Yeah, it's very, very clever. Thank Time-saving. You. Well, I'm not sure it is, is it? Wicked. The Righteous w. and The Wicked, the R and the W. It's right, cricket yeah, to say wicked. The R and the wicked. You say the righteous and the wicked, and I'll say the R and the W and see who finishes first. Okay, three, the R and the W. Oh. No, I'm counting. So. Okay. You're cons- okay, three, two, one. The, the righteous R and the wicked. Oh, so it is cricket to say the full title. Well, I don't I think you're really Simon, can you count us in? I hardly it's, said that. It's like this. Three, two, two one. one and then you can go, but you don't need to say go. But don't, it's not a race. We have to be speaking at the same speed. This is a scientific experiment. Okay. All right, ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. The R and the W. No, it's three, two, one. And then you hit on that three, two, one, speak. Okay, fine. I'll do this with my hand. Sorry, please. No, you don't need to say anything with your hand. Size doing a countdown. Yeah, but I'm going to get it like that as well. Okay. Do you want me to say speak at the end of it? No, I'll, no, I'll, I'll indicate that with my hand. <laughs> right, ready? Yes, I was born ready. Three, two, one. The, the Righteous and the, the Wicked. It's well, a I think draw. it was me. No, Just. it was anyone. It was me. <laughs> well, I... That was a dead heat. It's a dead hit. So it's, it's, it's the, same. Dead, it's the oh, same. That's good. So say whatever you want. And the fourth song, of course, is Give It, give it Away. Or as I like to call it, G It A, which is quicker. G I W is definitely quicker. G I J. But it's not necessarily clear what you're talking about. G I G I A. G I A, what did I say? G I W. Oh, yeah. Well, it's even less clear <laughs> if, you call, if you call Give It Away G I W. If you call it Gew. G I G I Wayne. G I A. Yes. MIA. Missing in action. Mm. So, <laughs> very excited about all of that. Yeah, we we also, because the inputs we've got here, it's an input-a-thon, if you will. We've got some fantastic ba- audio bass notes Christ. from... Yes. From, are you, what are you Christing about? That. Oh, that Elvis juice that you oh, just applied to lip. Mercy me. Applied that to tongue. That's 6.5. Oh, mate, you're an absolute beast. Thank you. In a, a monster. Way. No, in a bad way. Oh, Christ. You're a beast and a monster. Uh, We've got some brilliant audio notes from Aiden. And I'm a beast. No, you're a beast. I rock it like a beast, but I ain't obese because I come in motherfucking peace. Grease? Grease. I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, got some great bass notes from Aiden. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got some great drum notes from Jack. Yes. We've got some great I was there at the time notes from Amos. Yes. And this time we have some brilliant... Uh, guitar notes and some audio examples from Kuhn from Red Hot Chili Peppers Red Hot Chili Riffs that's right come on get come it right on, yeah. Red Hot Chili Riffs that's your one mistake and uh, I have to say that the feedback that we had about the episode with Kuhn which was the last episode two weeks ago we've had some fantastic feedback it's been overwhelmingly what positive a font of information that man is very exciting what's your favourite font I'm probably going to say uh, Times New Roman. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's, gonna... what's the font that was really popular that everybody hates now? Um, oh, some, co- no, Comic Sans. Comic Sans. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call it New Times Roman, though. Oh, wait, yeah, it's yeah. lucky that I went first. Or I do like Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> Ariel. Yes. Yeah. Great. And... Oh, he's even more. <laughs> well, if, I only I, know one. What was the font that the Insidious... The, what, do you, if uh, I say the Insidious font, do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, but I don't know what it's called. Nah, neither do I. I just call it the Insidious font. Yeah. Okay. All right, so let's crack... And we've also got lots of emails from people talking about their love and experiences with and thoughts on Blood Sugar Sex Magic, yes. which we will get to. We have not forgotten you. We're going to probably pop them, pop them 
in the part four extravaganza or bumperthon, if yes. you will, or inputathon. Well, also, inputathon. When we write our book, yeah, which we'll print all the emails into in, into the book. That's going to be a big book. How is your version of the play coming on, by the way? I haven't checked in with you on that. A, oh, li- uh, yeah. a life well lived. Well, interestingly, really I've had some input um, from an someone, an input from one of the band members. I can't say any more. That's for legal, exciting. For legal reasons. Like when um, Brian May makes a little guest appearance at We Will Rock You. No, he, this band member is co-writing several scenes with me. Ah, Right. I can't say anymore. No, 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 I wouldn't want you to. But I, I do have to say this, and I wasn't going to reveal this to you because the, the particular gentleman involved has asked, did ask me not to say anything. Yes. But I have also had input from a band member. Uh, he, I can't say much more. No. But course. he has agreed to co-write the play with me. <laughs> <laughs> the whole play? It's the whole play. Oh, wow. Oh, I, got, I just got several scenes. Just mouth who you're... Who's collaborating with you on the same play that I'm also writing with another person? I'll tell you now. Just mouth it. Anthony. No, don't say that. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. I'll edit that out. out. And I'm working with, which is very exciting, John. (laughs) (laughs) Are you? He's doing some guitar parts for me. Brilliant. Well, that is good news. It certainly is. Anyway, we'll we'll, we'll update you as and when, I guess, uh, listeners, as to if if, uh, life well lived... Their life, life fully lived. So you don't even know what it's called. Cool. Well, I changed the title. Yeah. Christ, I've been telling John. We've also it's called Their Life Well Lived. Well, that's probably why you agree. We've also uh, reached an agreement with a, a theatre off-Broadway. Oh, tell me more. Uh, we've got a three-week booking. Three-week residency. That's right. Well, I wasn't going to mention this myself, but I, do, I will say this. And uh, John mustn't know that I've told you. We have reached an agreement with a theatre on Broadway <laughs> for a four-week booking. Oh, <laughs> I'm, st- I'm not going to go first anymore. <laughs> it's oh. a nightmare. All right, so we are going to crack in to song number six on the seminal, the groundbreaking, the magnificent album Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. We're going into I Could Have Lied. Like I never change what I feel My face never show Sam, as we come lithely out of I Could Have Lied. Of course, we must say that we are 
honourable men. We are. We base our reputation upon truth. And valour. Of course. And that's all we'll say about that. Absolutely. Thank you for thank you for getting that in there. Well, I think it's important, isn't it, when you talk about uh, potential, mm. the potential for... Fabrication, uh, perhaps. For fabrication. Dishonesty, if you will. Balderdash. Yes. Uh, but he didn't lie. So, no, uh, no, he could have. He could have, but he didn't. And that's, that's See, to his credit. Here's, here's something we're getting straight into. We both then said he could have. Yes. This song is called I Could Have Lied. I could have do, lied. Do you ever call it I could have lied? I could have lied. Yes, I probably do. Hmm. What do you think you do more often? Say, I, I love the song I could have lied. Or do you say I could have lied? I never say I could have lied. You, so you're admitting here on the Red Hot Chili Peppers My podcast... My reputation is based that upon you, truth and honesty. That you, you, you don't mispronounce this. You right. say the wrong word. Yes. That's disgraceful. What, the honesty or the... Both. Both. <laughs> um, do you? I always say I could have lied. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's good. Yes. That's good yeah, for you. Good. Honestly, will, going forward, I will try and remedy the situation. That I've, you know, created for myself. Of course, of course. So, Sam, what, what, what's this song called? I Could Have Lied. Ah, well done. It doesn't Very roll good. off the tongue as easily. No, so. it doesn't. I Could Have Lied. And then you end up saying, huv, I Could Have Lied. I Could Have Lied. I Could Have Lied. I Could Have Lied. I don't think he says I Could Have Lied in the song. There's no such word as huv. <laughs> <laughs> I Could Have Lied. <laughs> I Could Have Lied. Have you ever been to Denmark? Uh, only in my mind. I just wanted to say... You know, ask you a question with the word "hove" in it. Oh, go for it. Have you ever been to Sweden? Oh, hove, yes. Oh, fair enough. Hove. Um, Simon, have you ever been to Denmark? I could have been. Ah, oh, well done, well done, yeah, well done. See. He's enunciated the and voice pronu- of, The voice of reason. Thank you, Simon. I so, he has. He has. It's is that expensive. true or is that a lie? That's true. That's Copenhagen. true. Copenhagen. Wonderful. Uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Copenhagen. Sam, let's talk about the swan a bit here first. Yeah, let, okay, let's get serious. Yeah, please. The performance of yeah. this tune from the Swan. Well, this is uh, song number six. Song, song number six. And yes, we've had Breaking the Girl. Mm. But I feel that this is a new era. I think Breaking the Girl probably is the, is the first example of this on the record. Um, but yeah, this is the Swan saying, I'm, I'm, I've matured as a performer, as an artist, as a, a deliverer. Of words, yeah. This is a rawer song than um, "Breaking the Girl." Yeah, it is exactly. And I, I know saying "rawer" is tr- it's another difficult word to say. But it is raw. It's honest. It could have been this. It, you know, there you go. Could have been. It could have been, but it's not. It is raw. It's honest. It feels, and and it's not just a swan that gives it that feel. Oh no, 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 no. Well, we can now touch back to what the house ambassador said in the car when we listened to this. Probably, it was probably about a month ago now, actually. And she said, you can feel the honesty and emotion in that guitar solo, in the fingers of, of that young man, John oh, Frusciante, yes. yes, 21. Exactly. Exactly. It bleeds through into the ears. Absolutely, it does. It, 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 I remember listening to this, this song for the first time and thinking, was this song performed in a semi-live environment? Well... 
In many ways, yes. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it was it was more than a semi-live environment. It, that's the question I asked. They were all live when they played the it. first time. <laughs> <laughs> they were all semi-live. Um, but it, you know, it, it, no, nothing encapsulates the recording env- the the situation and the environment that they chose to record in more than this song. No, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. Although you, you could argue um, it, the, some elements of if, if you have to ask. Yeah, well, absolutely. But no, I think this is this is the one where, and I, I hear what you're saying about was this performed semi live? Mm. Because there are mistakes here. There mm. are bummed notes from John. Yeah, there's imperfections. They're left in, and it sounds. It's that maybe that one take ethos that they were using at the time. Yeah, we're not going to sit around trying to make this perfect. We're gonna we're gonna give it our heart and our souls, and you're gonna you're gonna feel our emotions through our fingers and through our vocal cords. Yeah, and it, it, so many of the songs on this album have stood the test of time. This song hasn't aged a day. It never will. And perhaps one of the reasons why it doesn't age when they were recording this, there is that seminal magazine article in Guitar Player talking mm. to John and Flea. They also talked to Rick Rubin. And there is a part in that where he says something like, if you try to make something sound new using new techniques, it ages very quickly. Very good. And what they're doing here is just using classic techniques. Classic recording It's basically four extremely talented people playing a brilliant song, brilliantly. Yeah. Uh, and, And not trying to embellish, not trying to put too much on top of it. Well, that, that brings us to, to uh, JJ's drum notes, in fact. Well, crack on. Because it is the flea, and it is... Mickey B the flea. The myth, mm. who are sacrificing themselves to a certain extent in this song. He says, and I, I use the word sacrifice... In a non... In a positive way. Ah, okay, a positive. The right kind of sacrifice. Something I learned from early, when I started playing the drums, is the term pocket pays. Playing simple, being in the pocket, staying solid... That's the stuff that gets you gigs, gets you hired, and the thing that people look for in a solid drummer. To come out of one of the most drum-intricate songs in Suck My Kiss, to this proves how much of a great musician Chad Smith is. Shout out to Chad Smith. He is barely even playing anything on this song. Could you imagine this song with a drum part like Breaking the Girl? It wouldn't work. The foundation that Chad and Flea lay with the simplicity makes this song what it is, for the Swan and John to paint over it so beautifully. And that ties in... With what we were saying. Yeah, absolutely, it does. And it ties in also with the feel of the song makes the, even, makes the, the lyrics even more powerful, I think. And the lyrics are... Th- this song is famously mm. a song that the Swan wrote about a disputed situation with uh, Sinead O'Connor. Mm. Um, from the Swan's perspective... It, there's, there's talk that it was a relationship. There's talk that it wasn't. There's talk that uh, the swan was rebuffed. There's talk that something more than that went on. It's in scar tissue, if you want to get more, in more detail about it. And it's on the internets as well. So it's a song about feeling... Well, about, about from the swan's point of view, I think it's a song about having felt very intense feelings for someone and then having lost that mm. relationship with that person. Yeah, rejection. Rejection. It's a song about rejection. I could have lied and saved myself the pain. Mm. Such a fool. He didn't. He laid himself bare. Yeah. Let's see what they Allegedly. say. Allegedly. It's all alleged. <laughs> it's all alleged. Uh, this is um, from Scar Tissue. I'm going to read directly about the recording process. because, And John talks about this on the Broken Record podcast as well. 
Great interviews with Ricky Rubin, by the way. If you haven't listened to them, um, WTF. Yeah. Superb. If you have, well done. Another rec or recommendation is oh, well the, the, drummy, the Drumio oh, video modern. with Chad. That's a modern approach to the English language. It certainly is. It's also short for record. I suppose you're a modern man, eh? Very modern man. So reading directly from Scar Tissue, I drove over to John's house around midnight. He was like a mad scientist, empathising with me, but absolutely possessed with the idea of finishing the song. So he worked and worked and stayed up all night, listening to that pouring rain. We finally finished the song at five in the morning and, cassette in hand, rushed out to drive through the rainstorm, straight to Sinead's house. It was her last night there. I didn't knock, I just bundled up the tape and shoved it through her mail slot. She left town the next day. The years went by and our record came out and life moved on. There were tragedies and triumphs and successes and failures and people died and people had babies and I always wondered what it would be like if I ever saw that girl again. So it's something that happened very quickly and they also were going to use that, so they were considering using that demo version of it on the album if when they recorded it in the studio or Mm. in the mansion, that didn't work out. Right. So just saying, they were happy to have it raw and, and powerful. Well, that would have been as raw as raw can be. It is as raw as raw could be. Let's lock in now. Let's lock JJ in with Aiden to see what Aiden's got to say about, about the song, shall we? Yeah. Because then we've got, the two peop- we've got the two elements that are really rooting the song. And then we can talk a bit more about the, the guitar work and, and the vocals and, yes. and those kind of flourishes. That sounds like a great plan. Hi there. Thank you very much, Ben and Sam. Um, it's lovely to be invited back on the podcast. Um, and thank you, everyone, for your really kind words about this new audio presentation that we've been experimenting with. It seems that a lot of you are really enjoying hearing my kind of best versions of the bass line. And it's great fun to play them. I mean, these bass lines are real joy, aren't they? Um, and to be able to replicate them for you is, is fantastic. Here's the verse for I Could Have Lied. That happens a few times, and then um, and then we have this bit. There's a real theme here, isn't there? And I think the theme is simplicity with this bass part. We've seen Flea in two modes so far over the first few songs of the album, either as... Mr. kind of ballsy, rocking out, Mr. Funk. Loads and loads and loads of expression and loads of, um, loads of attitude. Or, such as with Breaking the Girl, taking a more, more of a back seat and playing more the songwriter. Um, and I am quite, I mean, I played you quite a lot of the first section of the song there and nothing else really happens. Nothing else really happens. It's a really mature perspective from Flea. I'll play the chorus. Um, and you'll find it's kind of, it's just a similar vibe, really. It's just like, what can I do to make this song really effective? And that's it. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I mean, he might be thinking it. He might be um, thinking this in terms of this might this is a great song it's probably gonna end up in the set if i really chill out in this song it actually gives my fingers and my performance a bit of a break and a bit of a rest for a few minutes 
Here is the bass line for uh, the guitar solo. And it fully stretches out a little bit more here. It's the same chord sequence as the verse, but we see a bit more of Flea's um, original kind of creativity. lines in there um but again again it's really sitting underneath the guitar solo really nicely and occupying that position between the guitar and the drums um, and just adding in a little bit of excitement here just to raise the dynamic but it's not by flea standards there's nothing nothing we haven't seen before nothing we haven't come to expect from him he's just like i said before playing playing this in a really mature fashion i won't spend too much longer on this song because i think i've actually literally covered all of the whole track um and then the songs come up later in the podcast. There's definitely more to talk about. So I'm going to hand it back over to you guys and I'll speak to you later in a bit. Thank you, Aidan. Yes, of course, we will catch up with you later on. So let's get into the, the meat of the matter now, shall we, Sam? What Aidan and Jack have talked about is how minimalistic and, uh, and song-serving the work that Mickey B. the Flea and Chad Lewis Smith are doing. Correct. What we're going to talk about now is a bit more about uh, John Frusciante. Because mm. this is played finger style. Yeah. So not using a plectrum for those main parts, that, that main line, the mm. famous opening line. And you can really hear, it's great to listen to this on a really good quality pair of headphones and listen to it loud because you can hear the fingers on the strings. Yeah. You can hear the fingers sliding up and down against the wound strings and you get that kind of classic acoustic guitar sh- sh- yeah. sound. Which is the very first factor that pulls the listener in and makes them feel like they're closer to this song than they may feel to other songs on other albums or even other songs on this album yeah because it feels like you're sat next to john yeah it does while he's playing this and while you're listening to it another thing about this song is i'll give you a few examples as we talk about it as it goes on there's a lot of background noise there's some amp noise that you hear from the hot amp that's short for amplifier amplifier that's you're absolutely right there thank you for that are you a, is that an, an a, atp that's a, uh, yes yeah cool there's a lot of extraneous noise i'll give you some examples but it's a very simple line yeah. 30 seconds in until the first embellishment that little well i just love those little bits though they, yeah they, they because they come out of nowhere seemingly yeah and they break up what this does here on that first embellishment is it's all been quite bass string heavy on the guitar so on the, it's on the lower um, the, the lower three strings mm. and that just ups the treble it ups the brightness and it really catches it really catches your ear should we go to uh, should we go to Coon from Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, Red Hot Chili Riffs <laughs> sorry Coon Red Hot Chili Riffs to see what he's got to say about this so I Could Have Lied is played on a Martin D18 without the G string which is interesting here's a quote from Guitar World November 1991 have I been saying guitar player in this guitar world? Unsure. Then there was the acoustic guitar on the song I Could Have Lied. I was playing it from my bedroom, which is where I play all the acoustic guitars. And yeah, so like the G string was missing on that. Mm. So question, every apple digs a grave before the end is how I remember, is my m- m- mnemonic 
for remembering the uh, sequence of the strings on the guitar. Every E, Apple, A, etc. Mm. So the G string is essentially in the middle of the of the neck uh, as you as you look at it. Did he take it off for a reason? What's happening here? What's it, why are we getting a fanfare? It's my heating alarm. Right. Okay. Did he take it off for a reason? Was it was it broken from previously, and he just didn't thought? Well, I'm just not going to replace it. It's, it's very very difficult to know. I wish he'd, I wish he'd said more on that quote. Is it likely that he was doing it as some kind of experimentation and liked the results, or is it more likely that he just didn't replace it, played it, and liked it? I think it's more likely that he had a G string missing. Right. Played the song without it and yeah. thought, well, that's that's good. That's yeah, interesting though, because a G string isn't one of the strings that you're likely to break on a guitar. It is one of the thinner three unwound strings, but it's the thickest. There might have been a shortage at that time. A shortage of G strings. It yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might have been. So no answer to that. Write in, no. write in on a postcard, as Aidan will say in the future. If you've got any ideas. The solo was played on a Fender Stratocaster through the Fender Hot Amp on the Crunch Channel with the Contour on zero and the built-in reverb on 10. John probably used the MXR Dynacomp for the sustain. During the outro, there's a clean electric guitar, which sounds like a Stratocaster, through the Fender Hot Amp on the Bright Channel. That's the clip which I'll drop in now. our Dynacomp on this part mm. so I'd, and I would just like to add we've just listened to Kuhn's um, audio clips mm. and I experienced a phenomenon that I haven't experienced for many years which is full left hand side goosebumps mm, that's but good n- isn't it but none on the right well, it's good isn't it and uh, when we get to the solo I'm going to drop the solo in hang on just full left hand side goosebumps but none on the right and none on the right and you say that's a phenomenon a phenomenon that you haven't experienced for many years. Yeah. That suggests that you have experienced it before. Well, I experienced it when I was five years old. Wow, what happened? I can't remember. Did you listen to a very, very talented man play a guitar solo well, very well? Myself and Kuna are the same age, so perhaps I was holidaying in the lowlands. And, the, the Netherlands. And Kuhn was busking at that time. It's mm. unlikely because I didn't go to the Netherlands until I was a much older man. Yeah, anyway. I have to move you on. Okay, fine. Um, so, let's think then, because we just talked about the brightness. There is a real build in this song that John achieves, and the band achieves a lot. On the yeah. Broken Record podcast, John talks about Rick Rubin saying, let's experiment, let's build songs without chucking a load more stuff on. Yeah. So this song, you get that first verse, leading into the first I Could Never Change. That's where John bums a note big time. Mm. Um, as, he's, as he's hitting uh, that, that low note. But here's a build without using any more instruments. John just starts playing full chords instead of that finger pick part. And it emphasizes, so the treble is emphasized more because you're now playing the treble strings. On uh, My Face Will Never Show What Is Not Real, he plays an A, G, or uh, eight variations on A and G that emphasize the use of the open B and E strings. And what he does, it's really clever, is even though he's changing chords, 
those open B and E strings are ringing across both chords. Mm. And so you get the change from an A to a G while still having the same two open strings ringing. So it really ties it together. It's brilliant. And I also love the way he's just kind of hammering, kind of, it almost feels like it's going to be off time mm. on those chords. Yeah. Like no, no restrictions here. I'm just in my bedroom in this mansion. It's very messy and I won't tidy it up later on. <laughs> no. Just banging away on that guitar. Yes, but such was the, the height of their creative abilities at this time. Mm. That it all, or certainly everything that they allowed us to hear, mm. worked very well. Yeah, and even the stuff that at the time they didn't allow us to hear worked very well. That's true. There must be some other stuff which wasn't uh, for public consumption. Potentially didn't work didn't quite so work well. Quite as well, but of course, that's all part of the creative process. When you when you're when you're operating at high levels, you're you're fearless. You're not afraid of oh, failure. That's a good point. You embrace it. Yeah, you can learn from failure. Yeah, ah, that's a really nice point. Cheers, that's man. a really nice point. I'm off. He's done. Right, Simon, go and sit by the microphone. <laughs> also, what John does here, which is great, is where you might normally do fills, flicks, tricks to build the song. There's just the smallest, smallest stuff that John does here. Yeah. At 51 seconds uh, in the left ear on the acoustic, a little hammer pull. Yeah. On at 52 is seconds. That, is that a little, for the layman, is that the little twang? Uh, hammer pull, yeah, is where you, uh, GTP, again, we're going to talk about hammer-ons and pull-offs again. Mm. It, yeah, you call it a little twang if you want. Yeah. It's where just, you play a note, hammer your finger onto a higher note, yeah. and then release your finger to sound the lower note again. And, and a good quality on, pair of headphones is recommended for this. Well, yeah, well, especially if you want to hear what he does on the electric guitar. The smallest of little, of little somethings that he plays. It's barely audible. Yeah. It's barely audible. But again, it's, it's giving the song, song depth, which seemingly isn't there, if, you know, unless you're listening to it. And you're you're fully immersing yourself in it, and mm. then you hear these little yeah you do little things, and it's, it's incredible. And as Aidan was saying about Flea, you know his very simple bass line for the verses, and a relatively simplistic bass line for the chorus, but mm. it's just enough mm. to li- along with the Swans' delivery to lift the song. Yeah, yeah, it's very very clever, yeah. and of course it goes back to our point that we've made on numerous occasions you know these restrictions they're operating in a restriction a restricted environment there's only a certain number of things that they can do a certain number of rabbits they can pull out of their artistic hats a collective hat and they are they are doing it well, they're pulling them out they're, of the front they're, center <laughs> this is rabbit heavy you know i didn't think i'd be saying that <laughs> on the podcast um well limitations are set and mm. only then can you go uh, all the way, yeah, all the way. Yeah, this is a very clever song, and it's a song which, on the face of it, is very simple. Both very clever songs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do have to, at this point, issue a, issue a full and frank apology. The little uh, embellishment from John that you can barely hear is, in fact, at one minute twelve, and not fifty-two seconds. Ooh. There is a little bit of electric guitar at fifty-two seconds, but the the subtlest two-note fill, barely there, is. Uh, no, I'm going to have to issue another full and frank apology. Oh, no. The, subtle, the little subtle, barely audible fill is at 1.14. Right. What you get at 1.12 is a little bit of amp noise, which ah. you get. It's one of those extraneous noises. Yeah. Uh, and they haven't, like, mastered it out or mixed... They haven't mixed... They haven't, you can't, you're not going to master that out. They haven't mixed it out. Mm. 
No, no. They've left, they've left it in. But you only kind of... Again, you only hear it if you're really, really paying attention. To Should it. we address the elephant in the room? Sure. There's a swear word in this. So. Yes, there is. I, I'll, I'll go on record and say I've got no problem. I've got no problem with it either. But it says explicit lyrics on the cover. If you don't like it, don't play it to your kids. Well, don't listen to it yourself. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like it, I will insist you listen to it. Yeah, but but don't, don't play, play it to your children. No. Don't play it to your children. Very wise. You've talked about building them and pulling rabbits out, rabbit out, rabbits out of hats. Mm. Easy for you to say. And the genuine build and swell of the song. There's another example is on the chorus. It's not an additional instrument necessarily. It's just John playing like higher chord voicings. Uh, especially on the G uh, at 145, where he says such a fool. There's a really high G chord. Yeah. It really catches the ear. And that, that kind of relationship between the vocal delivery and the guitar, mm. I think, goes back to uh, the, the songwriting process that this song went through. You know, and, and I think that's where the Swan maybe doesn't get enough credit at times. Himself and John writing this song together, very much a collaborative effort. And the results are... Outstanding. This is outstanding, but the, the two of them are intertwined in a way that wouldn't have been the case if John had just written it on his own. It's a, so the Swan, I think, takes immense credit. It's a masterpiece. The solo, I'm going to drop in now. Kuhn's going to give us an example of how this sounds, playing it through all of the right equipment in all of the right ways. <laughs> So really clever, as, um, as that solo is being played, John is playing the, basically the main riff, but he's not playing it like he does at the beginning. He's, it's the same chord structure, but he's playing chords. Mm. He's playing the, the, um, the representative chords. And so that just gives that solo a bit more body. Mm. And then as it goes into the second half of the solo, and it quietens down, and you hit that beautiful, beautiful note that just holds and holds and holds, yeah. it goes back to the finger-picked um, original line. Is there a better piece of guitar work ever? Uh, uh, that's, a bit, that's a huge question. Is there a better piece of guitar work ever than the I Could Have Lied solo? Because There's, not, there's not many. No. And, this is, and it's what gives this song... It's it's identity. Mm. It's mm. it's a mm. it's a ballad, a salad, if you will. Oh well, but yet it contains an, a, a, one of the finest electric guitar solos. Yeah, but I think it like. contains two two of them. Yeah, absolutely. Because the outro solo is masterful as well. Yeah. <laughs>
intro solo mm. works so well. Yeah, the interplay. The, yeah, the interplay. Yeah. So wow. the chemistry. It's, a, it's an it's an outstanding song for so many reasons, but it, it's not what it appears to be on on the face of it. Talk to me about what JJ says about the the change to from. Um, uh, what from half note from quarter notes to half notes on the hi hat as the solo slows itself down. He loves it. He loves the choice to go from quarter notes to half notes on the hi hats at the end of the solo two twenty four. It just slows the song back down, and that is a noticeable slow slowing down. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. It just slows it down slightly until it kicks back in on the next verse. I think the only symbol hit in the entire song is right at the end at the four minute mark, which I must confess, I don't think I've ever heard. It's there. Four minute mark. A perfect example of how strong the musicianship between the lads was then and still is now. Still is now, absolutely. Now, there's lots of variation. If you just listen to the way John's playing the, the acoustic guitar, that line, that I could have lied line throughout yeah. the song, there's lots of different emphasis. There's parts where he's really playing it a lot harder. Um, 252, he plays it properly hard. You can hear him at some points pulling the strings and, re- and releasing them. Mm. Almost a very, very quiet, gentle pop feel. Mm. Popular music, do you mean? Or? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the he's sound playing of the bass, yeah. The sound yeah, of yeah. Sorry, uh, did you know that pop music stands for popular music? Yeah, I did, yeah. You know, pop culture stands for popular, popular culture. culture. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, they, I think they should be more upfront and honest about that. What the, did you also know that if you pop a balloon, you actually pop popular, popular a balloon? Yeah, that's what I mean. How do you Nobody know, knows that. How do you know? Well, you know Rice Krispies. Yeah. Snap, Snap crack, crack, and popular. popular. <laughs> oh, the bloody balloon's popular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there, this is a grey area. It certainly is. Which I think needs to be addressed society-wide. Couldn't agree more. I'll start the campaign. Couldn't agree more. I'll start it on Twitter. We've just started it now on the podcast. I'll, I'll continue it on Twitter. Yes, okay. Last, kind of, last couple of examples. 317 in the right ear. Just as John's prepping for that outro solo, you can again hear um, he slides in. Rather than just starting to play it completely clean, playing that first note clean, he slides in. I love going into guitar parts like that, just mm. play, making some a slide, a ka-chunk, whatever it is that just leads you. Yeah, I, think, I think the ka-chunk is probably your favourite. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you might be right there. Yeah. I do love a ka-chunk. Although you do like a slide, but the very fact that you've copyrighted the, the term ka-chunk. The t- the t- yeah, I have, yeah. I, in fact, I'm going to stop saying it because it's costing me money. Well, you owe me £10 because you just said it twice and it's five for a pop. Well, sorry, five for a, five for a popular. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I must just say this. On the outro, I've got to read these, these notes. Hang on, we've got some notes. Yes, just to repeat what Coon said, during the outro, there's a clean electric guitar that sounds like a strap through the Fender Hot Amp, playing that, that picked arpeggio line. Yeah. I always think I could, I've also been able to hear a, a doubling with something that sounds like a 12-string as well. Now, that may or may not be there, but no. I've always heard it, and I just listened to it there, and I heard it. So, certainly 12-string in, in the mansion at that point, because that's what the, I could, um, Breaking the Girl was recorded on. So, did he just pick that up quickly? Well, they had access to a 12-string. certainly did. Yeah, certainly did. So, it is possible. Anyway, what a, what a great song. Yeah, I, I, we finished it, and Sai said to me, that's one of my favourite oh, Chili God, songs. Oh, God, yeah. 
God, yeah. Cokey, out of ten, what do you give this sun? A solid nine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, you're a hard man to please. I thought you were going to say eleven. I think a nine's fair. It's not my favourite cheese, though. Oh, uh, OK. It's one of, the, one of my favourites. So, just out of interest, and, and to put you on the spot... No, you're shaking the table. You won't, <laughs> you, won't, uh, you won't have it. It's a flat-out refuser. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. OK. It, I, but it is, if people say to me, what's your favourite chilli song, or even if I sometimes subconsciously ask myself that question... Sink it to yourself. I always head back to Blood Sugar, and I always head back to I Could Have Lied. I prefer I Could Have Lied to Under the Bridge. Uh, I think both have their place, and... Oh, they undoubtedly both have their place, but which one do you prefer? <laughs> it's, it's, I don't really have an answer. Fact, so I, I genuinely think also Under the Bridge is a masterpiece. Obviously, Under the Bridge is more pop. Yeah. But... Are. Oh, no, it's just pop, I guess. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Um, no, I think I Could Have Lied For Me takes it, and it's, as I say, it's a song which I... Is is synonymous in my own mind with my own fandom of this band. Mm. Uh, in, a, in a live setting, when they often write down under the bridge, but then play, I could have lied. Yeah, Obviously that's because an unusual of the, thing. The isn't emotional it? distress that it causes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which one would you rather hear? I could have lied. Right. Right. Okay. Well, we're moving on now. Yeah, but, and that obviously is because, as I just said, I prefer I could have lied. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's completely fair. Let's get to Amace, though. Let's get to Amace, a man who was on the scene when the album was released. I could have lied. The side one ends in the most obnoxious and bombastic fashion. A suck my kiss abruptly ends. Side two begins with the most beautiful acoustic guitar line. Interesting, because we're going about to go into another bombastic part, aren't we, Sam? Yeah, but I think that's part of the reason why it was laid where it was. Tracked, listed that way. The second ballad, salad, if you will, on the album. I love the beautiful simplicity of this song. The sound of John's fingers sliding on the guitar strings give it, gives it a very up-close and live feel. Mm. Semi-live, some say. Semi-live. The drums come in with a basic but solid rock beat that doesn't change during the whole song. The one, two, three of the bass drum and snares are constant throughout. The myth, he says, brilliant. Mm. Well, exactly, and I think that's, that, 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 we need to stress that point. Mm. The myth's got it all in his locker, but he's not afraid to lay it down simple no, and we're going to we're going to talk a little bit later about the ultimate example of him saying I lay it down as funky as I can to let the other guys mm. uh, paint over the top of it I, I liked uh, the term that Aidan used earlier mm. serving the song serving the song yeah that's exactly what, what happens and thank you Amace anyway what a masterpiece what a great song let's get into Mellowship <laughs> I got a middle 
slink our way, and I do mean slink mm. our way, out of Mellowship Slinky in B major. Has there ever been a better named song for a little slinky MF? What a tune. What, what a, a tune. tune. What a name for a song. Yes, and it's not even in B major. We'll get to that. It's, a, it's sure. an unusual name for a song. But it's, a, it's a, a great song with a bit of a silly name, should we say. Yeah, if you want. What do you call this when you're talking about it? I simply call, refer to it as Mellowship. I normally... Do, what do I say? I'm just going to stick on Mellowship. I'm just going to stick on Mellowship Slinky. Yeah, Mellowship. Mellowship. I don't think anyone calls it anything other than Mellowship, do they? Does anyone call it Mellowship Slinky in B major every time they talk about it? I'm sure there will be some people who do initially. Well, it, well it, I'll tell you what, though. Who's the star of the show here? We don't know yet. Is there a star of the show or is it a collective piece of genius? Well, let's start by referring to it as a collective piece of genius or a, uh, a CPG? A CPOG, a CPOG. Yeah, but normally with words like of, you, you don't... No, but if you them. keep the of, then you can call it a CPOG. Oh, fine, well, let's keep it then. Yeah. So, is it a CPOG? Let's break it down and find out. Let's talk about the song first. Because these lyrics... Mm. Are they some of his most playful lyrics? They're very playful. Is there? Have you ever heard a man be so exuberant? Well, I think this is this is is, is a fine piece of uh, work by Anthony. He's taking the source material, and by that, of course, I mean the instrumental part. And he's very, very cleverly delivering his part to perfectly fit. There's, there's so many different elements to this song, which yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. And yet, at no point does anyone, including the swan, put a foot wrong. Let's talk about the references, shall we, that the swans bring into the party. I've written some of them down. Please. In my, in my, in my notebook. References his favourite things. Right. All he, he talks a lot about stuff. Some of it slips by pretty quick. And some of it is more explicit than others. Some of it is more explicit than others. I'm going to get to that. I've also written that it's... The swan it is most cheeky. Mm. Oh, except when he, was, of course, is being Mozambique. Mm, exactly. <laughs> this is where he's being cheeky. Let's talk about the references, though. So, we've got Mike Tyson. Yeah. We've got the LA Lakers, obviously, rocking to the beat of the fabulous forum. My Lakers, I adore them. Because the yeah. Lakers play at the forum. Which, for many years, I wouldn't listen to the song I didn't realise. Oh, I just thought he was referring to the to band the... as the fabulous forum. Yeah. So that it rhymed with adore them. Adore them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> if it's going to rhyme with the door then it has to be the four the four the four, them. The four M. no they play so rocking to the beat of the fabulous forum he's going to see the Lakers and he's rocking to that that crowd yeah man go on yeah. Lakers throw it get in the, one in the net throw it in the get it through the hoop through the hoop through the hoop man slam dunk babe St- Dave <laughs> <laughs> but writers yeah Mark Twain yes Truman Capote yes and interestingly he refers to the coyote ah, as a so, coyote, so that it rhymes with capote. Yes, and he's, so he's re- even referencing his, his own, their own work, yes. his own, their own song. Yes, yes. Um, and references Charles Bukowski, obviously. Yeah, uh, and, that's a, a, and also a, a, a nightmare scenario. He's lost his house he's key. Not, <laughs> now that, clearly, is he wants to mention Bukowski yes. and has to think what he's going to rhyme well, with. It's, it's, Perfectly believable. I'm, I'm on my on porch because I lost my house key. Pick, pick up, up my, my book, book I, I read Bukowski. Bukowski. So he's just happened to have left his Bukowski book 
on his porch. Right, unless he had it in his satchel. Well, he picked it up. If it was in a satchel, they'd say, take out uh, my yeah. book. How else do you get a book out of a satchel unless you pick it up? Pour it out. Yeah, yeah, you just turn it upside down. <laughs> Tip it out. Just going to get my book out of my bag. Tip out my book. I read Bukowski. <laughs> yeah, well, that works anyway. So he had options. Uh, Bukowski, born in Germany, but lived in his adopted city of LA, LA of course. course. Yes. Jimi Hendrix has referenced the Purple Haze line. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that moves into a separate section. Yeah. Well, Robert De Niro, of course. De Niro's insane now. Yeah. Which led me to thinking, why is he saying De Niro's insane now? Is it because he's just had a baby and he's 78 years old? No. No. I think it's because that year Cape Fear was released, where he plays Max Cady. Who, and if you've seen Cape Fear, Max, well, Max Cady is, is slightly un, unhinged, shall well, we say. Famously got the Cape Fear box set. Yes, you have. Yeah. Which contained the original Cape Fear and the remake. And did you watch the original? Well, if I did, I can't remember it. Will uh, you make Cape Fear as a film? It's not my favourite Scorsese. I, I refer to him as Scorsese. Hmm. I think that's because I'm half Italian. Yes, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Go on then, say Mamma Mia. Well, actually, funnily enough, Mamma Mia is one of the few Italian things that I say in an English accent. (laughs) Ah, right. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Yes, I I must just specify that Blood Sugar was released in September and Cape Fear was released in November. So... Oh, so it doesn't work. Well, the Swan might have known it was in production and that it was being remade. Unlikely. Unlikely he's referencing a film that has yet to be released. But would have been spoken about in the trades. So that's all I'm saying. And he lives in LA. But does De Niro live in LA? Well, the film... Yeah. ...was released in LA. <laughs> it was released worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in LA first. Also mention... So uh, the artist Robert Williams, Stroke and Splatter, I attest to your grey matter. Yeah. Great. Uh, Robert Williams was the artist who did the original cover art for Appetite for Destruction ah. with the robot jumping over the fence. Yes. And that, was, that piece of art was called Appetite for Destruction, mm. which is why Appetite for Destruction is called Appetite for Destruction, mm. but then they couldn't use that. But artwork. the artwork wasn't done for Appetite for Destruction. I, I'm not sure. I think the artwork might have already existed. Yeah. And so they, they named yeah. the album after the artwork. After they the tried artwork. to use the artwork, but and the artwork couldn't. was explicit because it had a, it had that, a lady on it as well. Lady. Yeah. So... Robert, Robert Williams, Stroke and Splatter. A little reference to Billie Holiday and Count Basie there. Billy sings and Basie swings. Well, I must say, Ben, this is... I mean, I know all these words, but I've never put two and two together. Well, that's... And, with and, a lot of it. And I've never really put two and two together that this song is essentially a, a list of his favourite things, even though he says it twice, at least twice, in the, yeah, in the, in the song. He does. Let's talk about the cheekiness. I'm just going to list off some examples of the swan being cheeky. Okay, brilliant. Looking forward to it already. Popcorn peanuts looking at big butts. Yeah, that is cheeky. That's, that's cheeky. We're putting that, are you happy to put it in the cheeky camp? Yeah, also I think kudos mm. for rhyming peanuts with big butts. Yeah, well, I think he just thought, I want to say big butts, what do I have to say? Yeah, peanuts. Peanuts, yeah. What rhymes with big butts? Peanuts, popcorn peanuts. <laughs> Hang on, popcorn peanuts looking at big butts. It works. It works, it works, it's in. Here's one about smelling his lady. Blush, mm. my lady, when I tell her that I do indeed love to smell her. Sopping wet your pink umbrella. The glitterous. So what we're talking about here is a, a wet vagine. If we must go that far, mm. then... Well, notice I use the Latin phrase. When he says, um, 
Blush my lady when I tell her that I do indeed love to smell her. I love yeah. that little pop from John. Blush my lady when I tell her. And John does a little... Mm. Whoop, whoop. Well, of course, because he's saying, hang on a minute. This yeah, is hello, this is cheeky. Let this me is just highlight that. This is going to be on the cheeky Let list in 30 that. years. And also, yeah, when they when that podcast, which I refuse to acknowledge... He will in be fact, on. Which any of us refuse to acknowledge. I will do the play with Ben. Episode 200. Episode 200. The, chili, the band will be on. We'll have the full band and Rick Rubin. Great. I can't wait for that. Yeah, Can't it's going to be great. It's been another bit, four years' time. Yeah, but it's going to be fantastic to get everyone together. You know, talk about the history of the band, their musical no, I think, um, musical influences. That normally comes. No, up, I think it? if we get the band on, we talk about anything else. Yeah, about the band. Yeah, yeah, fine. So, look, what do you want to talk about? Smell this umbrella. Mm. Uh, and also, of course, the brilliant line: "Do the dog with Isabella," which they deliver in the. Best way. Yeah, I can tell you like that when we were listening to it. Oh, I always have that bit. This is a technique I call singing one thing. No, singing the same thing, mm. but at different, with deli- different deliveries. Different speeds. Also, it relates to the Righteous and the Wicked, or the R and the Wicked um, mm. chorus, doesn't it? Where they do a similar thing. Oh, it's very good. Very effective. And, and, and this, this brings us to the, the, the wonderful transitions within the song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk, about, let's talk transitions. Because, anyway, hey, I'll just say... That's the end of the cheeky list. Yeah, great list. And that's the end of the reference list. Both. Great lists in their own right. Thank you. Yes, transitions. Talk to me. Well, you know, let's start from the beginning. Down, down. Uh, what's down, an opening? Down, 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 heavy. Full of attitude, in fact, I think. I'm going to read. Yeah, read what Jack's got to say about this. Okay. Well, no, you've got the drum notes, sir. Fine. You read it. What an intro. Again, another example of how Chad is so in sync with the rest of the band. Listen to how he's accenting John and Flea's notes with the snare and kick drum. They're almost like one big instrument in themselves. That's nice, isn't it? When artistically, the three players reach that sort of heightened sense of togetherness. Yeah, that's nice. It's a nice point. This is, this is, why, uh, this is why, we, why we treasure JJ so much. Magic Johnson, of course. I've met him, you know, in person. I've met him. I've hugged him. I've hugged him twice. Bugger, I went first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got outdone. Yeah, and I will hug him again. And I will uh, hug no, him again. Will we hug him again, though? Is he coming to London this, oh, this time? Oh, I don't know. No, I, here's my commitment. I will hug Jack Johnson again. Yeah, I will too. That, that's, that's a but I'll hug him one more time than, than you hug him. Well, I'll hug him for longer. All right, you, you think of a number. You whisper it in Simon's ear about how no. many times you... Right, so go on. There's... There's a great demonstration of how the song is played by Chad on the Drummio YouTube channel. Highly recommended. If you haven't seen this video, go and watch it. Brilliant. There's a ton of ghost notes happening here, and this track is swinging. swinging. Now, I don't know much about ghost notes. But I know Chad in a, in a, in a In a kind of practical way. But when I play the cajon, I, I employ ghost notes myself. But they, they kind of happen in certain songs. They just happen, and I think this is an example of them happening to Chad without him really realising. Well, he's such a ghost noter, Chad. He is a ghost noter. And he talks about that in the, in the Drumio video, that when he's playing songs like I Could Have Lied, when yeah. he's a straight beat, yeah. he's having to like, stop it, yeah. stop it. Yeah. Because his, his, his tendency is just to keep bouncing on that, yeah. on that snare drum. But this song allows for that, that kind of total um, sort of loose playing. 
and it's great when you get a song like that. You've got you just feel it and you play it as you want to play it. There's no there's nothing to restrict you. And the ghost notes just come as a result of that, I assume. Yeah, and, and also we were I was watching you play last night and I was talking to uh Lee, who is a, a drummer. Yes. And we were talking about the difference in the in the the, the skill set, you know, the disciplines of, of being a drummer. Because I can play the drums. Yeah, and obviously Lee is a drummer, and I can play the drums to a certain extent. But you, but I'm not a very good cajon player. No, and we were just saying what you're doing very cleverly. I, I spoke about it last night. You did. You, you, you're getting the bass notes. You're getting the the, the the pop of the snare, but you're also using the middle part between those two points as a hi hat mm. at, at times. And at you times, are and yeah. you are throwing in ghost notes. And as you say, you don't probably don't know that you're doing it. It's yeah, it's something that um, you know. If you if you play the con, I play as part of the Cajon Brothers with Amos. Yes, the Flying Cajon Brothers. Yeah, and um, you know it, it's um, it, it is an instrument in its own right, and it is an instrument that requires practice, mm. and it's great fun to play. It's just great fun, and and it's easy. It's easier than playing the drums. Let's be honest. I find playing the drums easier. Well, that's because you can already play the drums. Yeah. If you're coming at it from a completely novice point of view. Yeah, I guess. You don't have to coordinate so much. And, and, and uh, we're going to talk a bit about coordination here. Hit me with JJ again. There's a ton of ghost notes happening here, and this track is swinging. Swinging! Chad's playing so funky, so subtle. It's a toe tapper. Mm, mm. It is so funky. You know, and that, yeah, it's the, it's the... It is a swinging song, actually. Yeah, I don't great. think I've ever thought of it in that And way. it's even got the line, bassy swings. Yeah, of course. I've got, and that's on the reference list. That's on the reference Chad list. Chad is mostly playing the same beat throughout the song. Interesting that for the last four, bars of the last four bars of the first verse, when the backing vocal's coming, he plays a more straightforward linear beat. See drum notes from Funky Monks. Leading into the pre-chorus, which he then goes back to, which he then goes back to the main toe-tapping beat for the pre-chorus. Yeah. And here's a tambo that... I, for the guitar I, solo. Right. Sorry, I'm only just learning to read. <laughs> <laughs> you, the lines follow on from each other, don't they? You don't go back to the beginning of the line you're already reading. No, no, no. no that, you, otherwise, you end up going, the pre-chorus, which you then goes back to the main toe-tapper beat for the pre-chorus, which you then goes back to the main toe-tapper beat for the pre-chorus, yeah, which you exactly. then goes back... Lovely me, use of tambourine. Yeah. Lovely use of tambourine in the choruses to give that section a little extra lift. And isn't that what we've spoken about and touched on so many times? How do you lift a song? How do you add to it? How do you give it depth? I know what you do. You, you become a giant man and play a normal-sized piano. Oh, what? Oh, well, it's difficult to know, isn't it? Um, with, we'll, we'll get to that. Presumably, Flea will clear that up when he comes up. He will, but we'll get to that. Yes. We'll get to that. Yeah. What I like about um, the points that Jack's making about um, the, the, all four things doing different things at the same time. So for the guitar solo, Chad is playing the same beat that he's playing for the verses, but opening and closing the hi-hat. Again, all four limbs doing something different at the same time, but he's not compromising any of his playing. Well, let's go to Amos's notes, see what he's got to say about Mellowship, shall we? Yes. Possibly my favourite Chili Pepper song of the entire catalogue. Fuck! This one has it all. It's heavy, funky, light, breezy, cheeky. That's me adding that in. And it never gets old. Referency. Reference-y. Anthony's voice has a great effect on it for the verses. Yeah, it's kind of phasery, isn't it? Yeah, and that's, that's an interesting decision because he, he's not known for his use of effects. No, and it's, no, no, and it's an interesting decision on an album and a song where there isn't much use of yeah. fancy effects. 
It is an interesting But decision. it works. These are some of his most fun lyrics too. I love the literary references of classic American authors in the second verse. Mark Twain, Truman Capote. I'm on the porch because I lost my house. Can you pick up my book? I read Bukowski is a great line. A short time after this album came out, I read Factotum and I fell into a huge Charles Bukowski rabbit hole. Interesting. Christ. So the band are pulling out rabbits out of hats, mm. leaving the hole vacated. An A mace, the poor lad. Felt, falls fell into, into a massive rabbit like Charles Bukowski. That, uh, that he's never really escaped from. The reference to True Men Don't Kill Coyotes is nice here too. Well, coyotes on this version. The music in this song is absolutely inspired. The drums sound incredible. And when the crash cymbals are struck, the sustain is beautiful. The room sound adding another dimension to the song. And I will say, listen to the song and just listen to the snare drum like on the verses. Yeah. It's an incredible sounding snare drum on this song. Well, on the whole album, really. But This yes. one really kicks. Yeah. Well, no, the, 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 the kick drum kicks. kicks. This, this one really pops. Well, I was going to say Punches. it pops, but Punches. it's Punches. popular. It's Punches. popular. Punches. For all of us who have watched Funky Monk several hundred times since 91, the absolute highlight of this song is the guitar solo John plays here. Uh-huh. It's like watching his hands doing gymnastics on the fretboard, and it fits this incredible song perfectly. I love this song. I'm going to go to Coon, Red Hot Chili Riffs, I'm going to drop in his isolated, him playing the guitar solo. Let's do that right now. So, also, going to go to Coon's notes about Mellowship Slinky and hear a little bit about how There's this is There's just so much, isn't there? There's so much going on. I, I, feel like got... I feel like I'm on live TV. It's like, yeah, that's it. Anything can happen at any time. Do you agree, Simon? I do. Good. The intro and outro is John... Including this. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect that to happen, but it is happening. The intro and outro is John Strat through the DS2 and the Dodd FX65 chorus. The amps are the two marshals with the dark one on the left and the bright one on the right, as we discussed on part Very one. Very cleverly done. This is a great example where you can hear that John didn't max out the settings on his DS2 during this period. That sound, that sound of the intro is so big, and the intro and outro is so mm, big mm. On, the, on that guitar. As, and you can hear that chorus. Those, man, it, it's one of my favourite Frusciante noises. It's absolutely outstanding. Yeah, this this song flies under the radar to a certain extent, but it delivers so, so much. Delivers in spades. During the verse, you hear a strat on the neck pickup through an MXR Dynacomp, straight into the Neve, straight into the board. The high-pass filter on the Neve cuts all frequencies below 300 hertz. I mean, this is gold. This is guitar technical, guitar technical points up the wazoo. I'm sure you'll agree. Well, I, I do agree. This sound, this, this sound switches to the two marshals with the Dodd FX65 chorus when they go into the chorus. The Strat is still on the neck pickup. The solo is played on John's fretless Stratocaster, and there are two different takes panned hard, left and right. And uh, we, yeah, we, and we are going to hear that, or we have heard that. And you can distinctly tell that it's two different sounds mm. in two different ears. The part on the left is the Strat on the neck position through an MXR Dynacomp, and the Fender Hot Amp on the bright channel. The part on the right is the Strat in the fourth position, neck and middle pickups. The fourth position, you know when you've got a Strat, 
your selector switch. When straps first came out, there was only three positions that you could pick with the selector switch. One was the... Uh, I thought you were going to count to three. <laughs> one, two, <laughs> one, two, yeah. two. One was the neck pickup. Yeah. One was both... Yeah. Uh, sorry, one was the neck pickup, one was the middle pickup, and one was the bridge pickup. And players would try to achieve a different kind of sound by wedging the, uh, the, the pickup selector between oh, those three yes. options. Okay, so then they introduced a fourth one a bit. Well, uh, they introduced the two others. So your options are... What the, what the players, when there's only three points to pick from, you could just pick individual yeah. pickups. Yeah. They would try to wedge it in between yeah. one and, and two. And get so, a combination of the And get a combination of uh, the neck and the, and the middle pickup and the bridge and the middle pickup. Yeah. And Fender realised that people were doing this. And then now, now it's a five-way well, isn't switch. it? Yeah. And it saves on matchsticks. Because Fender could have easily just said no... Oh, reduce the number. It's a, yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a three-position system. We're going to make it two. We're going to make it two to, to show that you shouldn't go against us. But they didn't do that. No. So, um, the part on the right is a strat on the fourth position, neck and middle pickups, through an MXR Dynacomp, a Dodd F65 chorus, and the Fender Hot Amp on the bright channel. So yeah. listen to the solo, and you will hear that there's distinct parts being played. Mm. And also... Um, it's interesting as well because on the solo, on the second part of the solo, I think it is, you can hear that it, each part is highlighted. So one part is more heavy on the right ear and one part is more heavy on the left ear at mm. times. We, I mean, we've only just started talking about the beginning. We were going to talk about transitions 20 minutes ago. Let's, uh, let's also then drop Aiden in. <laughs> track this is i've always loved this song always loved this song since i first um since i first put the album on oh god years ago this was this was one of the songs that really stood out to me because it's got such an immediate hook that initial line just comes blasting out of you doesn't it straight straight out of the uh, straight out the gates and when i play that i think it's impossible not to hear that and also hear like the huge drums and the really aggressively played guitar um, and the, it's just it's just the sound of the band basically in those two ba- in those two bars, isn't it? Um, Fleas again on the wall bass, like we spoke about last last time we um, touched upon these tracks. Um, and it's really important to talk about his attack in this. I think with his right hand, he's really pushing his finger into the strings to make sure they bounce back and give you that really sharp attack. That sound, for example, is very very different to. And I haven't changed the EQ or changed the settings. I'm literally just plucking it harder with my right hand. If I, if I play the, uh, the intro again with a kind of a, a less aggressive sound we have. And all the, all the soul is gone, hasn't it? It doesn't sound like the song anymore, even. It's, um, it's really about that really sharp spike at the beginning of the note. And the way he plays it perfectly with the drums just, is, just creates this huge sound. That is what we call a unison line, where everyone's playing exactly the same thing. And that happens for about eight bars, and then we get this. Now, if I play those four notes all at the same time, we get this sound. 
which is called a dominant seventh chord. And a dominant seventh chord is a chord that we hear a lot in blues music. Um, and therefore, it's kind of progressed naturally into funk music and rock music and soul music and everything else as music and culture, uh, the culture around music has kind of evolved. So this is not a particularly new sound, but what is new is the way that Flea's articulating it and placing it right in the centre of the song. As I play this, I'm playing each string um, kind of sequentially from my thinnest string to my thickest string. So as I do that, I'm um, each note's on a different string, basically. Which actually makes it quite tricky to play, quite tricky to play and to articulate. That's the four bar riff. Um, and sometimes at the end he goes. And sometimes at the end he plays it down an octave and goes. But actually there's there's not a lot of um a lot of, not a lot of deviation in there. Sometimes he goes um and kind of funks that little bit up and puts a few more notes in. But actually, he's kind of got the riff and that's repeated. I think the funkiness comes from the repetition of it. If he was too noty with it and varied it up too much, you wouldn't be able to lock into his groove quite so easily. Um, there's one thing here, actually, which I have literally just noticed. I've been playing this bass line for 20 years probably, and it's something I all, I've never done. And listening to it now... Um, I've just noticed that I need to I need to change how I'm playing it. The way I play my bass, quite often my right hand thumb moves up and down the strings, to, and I sit on. Um, so my thumb's often touching a different string depending where I'm playing. Flea keeps his thumb on the pickup and very rarely moves it off the pickup. He does sometimes, but very rarely, which means that his sounds more like. <laughs> And he's letting this note ring underneath the next bit. It's really geeky, I know. It's really geeky, I know. But actually, when you listen to the song, listen out for that because it's a big part of the sound. And when I'm playing it before, I think it doesn't sound quite right. That's the reason why. That's the reason why, because that no note, low note needs to um, kind of be extended under the next part of the riff. <laughs> it's the little details isn't it keeps me happy the little details so we do that a few more times and then we end up with another unison line where the whole band including um this one this time goes um which we call it quite chromatic but it's quite it's basically like a b minor pentatonic like a blue scale back into the chorus so that happens around a few more times and then uh we get into a really cool section here simple riff that it's just kind of a repeated figure up and down but again like with the chilies 
it's not the uh, it's not the complexity of the riff that makes them cool. It's it's the intention behind the way they play it. The, the technique and the execution and the attitude is, is what makes it cool. And it's just so funky. Yeah, I really cool that. Okay, so we, I guess we call that the bridge because it kind of takes you back into the verse. We call it the bridge, I guess. Um, now, there's something that something really interesting happens in the middle part of this track. Mellowship Slinky is quite well known amongst Chili's fans as as a song that's never been played live. And no one's really sure why it's never been played live because it's such a banger, this one, isn't it? It's great. Everybody loves this song. And I have a hypothesis. I have a theory in that there is an eight bars, an eight bar section in the middle of this riff where Flea doesn't play a fretted bass. He plays a fretless bass. And I don't know if you've ever, for those who are not kind of uh, as familiar with bass techniques, I'm not sure if you've ever encountered a fretless bass before but a fretless bass is a is a bass where there's not the metal lines in the neck and it gives you a much more kind of a snaky um smooth kind of sound because you don't have these physical markers that define the notes it's much more like you would expect to see on a violin or a double bass where it's just a, a plain bit of wood it's much harder to play on the bass because it means your finger has to be in exactly the right position to get the note whereas on a fretted bass the metal lines are there to make sure that the notes are kind of perfectly in tune, even if you're slightly off with your fingers. On a fretless bass, if you're slightly off with your fingers, it's going to sound out of tune. So give me a second. I'm going to grab my fretless bass and I'm going to show you the section in the middle. There it is. There's, there's the fretless. Um, I'm, I'm going to show you very quickly. Um, I'm going to show you the, the main difference in sound between a fretless bass and a fretted bass. On my... G string, uh, on my G string, I'm going to slide all the way up and back down on my fretless bass. Now I'm going to do the same on my fretted bass. And hopefully you could really hear the difference there. Um, so in the middle of the song, they made the decision to move from a fretted bass to a fretless bass literally for eight bars. And so my hypothesis is this is literally impossible in a live setting because there's not enough time for the tech to run out and swap Flea's bass over and then plug it all in and then for eight bars and then do exactly the same on the way back out to get back into the in time and this might be one of the reasons they don't play it live because they might feel they physically can't do it whether the, ch the change of a fretless a fretted to a fretless bass is so important that it's worth not ever playing a song I, I think I think we could argue that it's not that important. But who knows? Who knows? It's just a hypothesis. And Flea may think that. He may not think that there might be other reasons. Um, answers on a postcard, please. But um, here's the section I'm talking about played with a fretless bass. cool isn't it you can really hear the uh flea's really making the most out of using a fretless bass by sliding around all over the place which is just that to not have the friction of the fret under your fingers just makes it a really fun thing to do it's also worth noting of course that um, as far as i know and ben will be able to help me with this as far as i know john used a fretless guitar in the solo um which is fretless basses are reasonably common a fretless guitar is not common at all um so that's really cool and that might be another reason why they feel they can't play it live 
after that, it's back to the da -da 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 -da, that bit, which is really cool. Um, and then we're into the outro, and the outro is the same as the intro. So this is a really cool bass line. Um, and for budding bass players out there, I really urge you to take a look at this one, especially the, uh, especially the main verse riff, because it's so good for your technique. It's really hard to play this. That's all for now, and I'll, uh, I'll see you soon for The Righteous and The Wicked. Thank you, Aidan. Wonderful analysis there. And yes, of course, we can confirm that John was playing a fretless Stratocaster. Confirmation. Confirmation, if confirmation were required. It's already been confirmed slightly earlier in this episode. You can never confirm that kind of thing too much, I don't think, because it's, it, as Aidan said, it is unusual. So we give the confirmation. If anyone wants us to confirm it again, please let us know. And we will. Well, let's bring another confirmation. Simon, was John playing a fretless Stratocaster during the guitar solo of Mellowship's Linking B Major? I can confirm that he was. Confirmation, if further confirmation. Okay, so that's were been confirmed again. Required. That's been confirmed again. I'm just going to phone up the House Ambassador to see if she can confirm this for us as well. No, I'm not really going to. It's been confirmed thrice. Well, let's not bog ourselves down how many times it's been confirmed. Well, it's difficult then because you get to like quad, don't you? And it doesn't really. Twice? You, you, wait, you've only got. No, we're not going to get into this. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what opening you've got? And let's just talk about like those transitions. So, those good gods. Yeah. I mean, what, uh, well, first of all, let's talk about that riff because you go from that massive stabby, bam, 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 to the smoothest bass line that Aiden's just broken down for us. To that single note line that John's playing straight into the Neve desk, which, which Kuhn's broken down for us. And, and here's the swan, referencing, cheeky, mm. slightly processed voice. And then you go into those good gods. Now, talk to me about those good god parts. Well, it's, such a, it's such a change in vocals. I remember yeah. when we used to perform this. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's full on. That's full on attack vocally. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, a tough section to get through. And it was always a relief to me when I'd done it. And then I was able to go back into the kind of more rappy sections. Yeah. But it's so effective, you know, when delivered well. <clears throat> Good God, where's my sleigh now? It's, it's superb. And I remember singing that to someone for the first time mm. uh, back in the, probably the late, mid to late 90s. And they said to me at that point, if you continue on this trajectory... You're, you're, you are going to experience some real success with your vocals. Really? Yeah. Who was it? It was my older brother. Oh, well, we love him. And it wasn't you. Hey, <laughs> your other older brother. Yeah. Well, hello to Nick. Now, I'm not sure he used those particular words, but he was impressed. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, it's I, enough I, to say he was impressed. I've heard he deliver that, and, uh, and it's fantastic. Yeah, and, but it's, it is hard. And it's a, you know, it's a song that vocally doesn't stay. I mean, for everyone, it doesn't stop. But vocally, there's there's ups and downs. There's a lot to think about. Yeah. So we said it before. We'll say it again. These lads are all on on their Top A game form. here. Top form. But this that and that, but I think it's worth mentioning this kind of nuance in the vocal delivery, mm. which maybe hadn't previously been something that he may have been capable of or wanted to do. But he's this is a, a more mature man. You've got kind of three different styles of delivery. You've got the kind of post, slightly beyond rapping, edging onto singing. Because mm. I didn't say he's rapping the verses. Ringing. Yes. Yeah. Or sapping. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going ringing. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. But he's not, you know, those verses aren't being rapped. They're not being sung. That's a mixture. Then he goes. There's a lot of air involved, for sure. 
you've got the really hard delivery of the good gods, yeah. which you've just talked about so eloquently. But then you've also got in the, I don't know, I guess you call it the bridge, um, after Do the Dog with Isabella. Mm. Do the dog with Isabella, I'm so in love with Exactly. And more and, yeah. intimate, kind yeah. of feels close to the mic, slightly Mu- higher. Yeah, yeah. I think, and that's a different delivery yeah, style. Yeah, there's, there's, I think there's three different delivery I'm styles so here. With an artist imagination, he the smartest, Robert Williams, stroke and splatter, I attest to your grey matter. And that may or may not be how he sings it, but I certainly well, enjoy it is, that. It's, it's certainly, I think it's further forward. And it, it, uh, that, to me, is more of a technical A VTP. Section. That's more of a... No, but that's more technically well done by the song. Yeah, OK, yeah. Into the big bean can. So, you know, you, you could sort of crudely say that that's better singing. Hmm. No, no, yeah, it is better. It, it's singing. But, but it's... it's I, again, I, I think that's something that is a, is a new development for him. Although, you know, it, it's not dissimilar to... Hair so fine, the kind of uh, sexy Mexican delivery. So oh, yeah. he's had it in the locker, hmm. but it's it's that mixture, it's that combination, which is so effective here. Yeah, yeah, and it's the band. We, I mean, now probably about half an hour ago, we're going to talk about transitions, but the the transitions that yeah. the band uses are so good here. There's that, that there's the pauses. There's a lot of three-note chromatic runs here. Bam, bam, bam. Pause. Ba-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. That's so... That, that weight. Bam, bam, bam. Ba-da-da-da-da-da. That That little pause there is yeah. so effective. So effective. It gives, it gives them and the listener the space to be prepared and move into the next phase. Well, it's hold and release. You, it makes you wait for something else to happen. Yeah. And when that something else happens, it's one of the funkiest lines... And one of the best swan deliveries ever to be committed to um, tape, I guess. Yeah, that's a good guess. Yeah. Um, but. Big butts, popcorn, <laughs> yeah. peanuts. The important thing here is that all of the changes work. Now, we know what the, yeah, the Chili's are capable say, of, don't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah. We know that they are, they are a band that is not afraid of a big change-up. It doesn't always work. This song is probably more changey than... Let's say five or six different parts. Yeah. yeah. But they all work so well. Yeah. Then none of them are abrasive. So it, I think this is a, a rarity in that it works so well. It doesn't, it doesn't cause you any difficulties as, as a listener moving from one section to the no, other. No, it, it's cohesive. It's, oh, cohesive. it's cohesive. And that's what certain songs Unlimited Love lack is cohesion. Yeah. Well, not just Unlimited Love. As a band, they because, I think because they are so creative and they are constantly looking to make songs as good as they can be and move from section to section, mm. it doesn't always come up no. as well as this. No, no. This is uh, this is a great example of a number of ideas coming together perfectly. I mean, ask me to score this out of ten as a song that changes from section to section, given what I just said. Okay, Sam, who score this as the song that changes from section to section? I'd give it a solid nine. (laughs) (laughs) Dear me. Now, I'll tell you what I noticed. I'll tell you what I noticed on these last few listens I've had that I've never noticed before. I love the backing vocals on the um, first, uh, well, the I'm So In Love, Yes, with an artist section after the um, Do the Dog with Isabella part. Mm. Uh, Because they're so pure. I can't even, I'm not even trying. 
Oh, he said he wasn't even going to. Don't do it. Don't do it. That's, that's terrible, but it's so great on the record. But listen, listen. Mm. At 109, they cut out really sharply right. and then come back in. Something strange happens there. Because mm. I don't know whether... Well, people are strange. Well, when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly. Out in the rain, the when cold? When you're alone. When you're alone. Yeah, of course. Although if you're alone... Anyway. Yeah, yeah we can't really get into that. Yeah, so listen to that, though. Listen to Mellow Ship at 109. The backing vocal cuts out abruptly, then comes back in. It's well, really weird. It's quite weird. I think those backing vocals are interesting because they, they, they speak to the development of the Chili's backing vocals mm. in that they are certainly not what we came to recognise uh, from kind of by the way onwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cali, yeah. But they are... Yeah. They are indicative of the development of John, particularly. But yes, 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 yes. In terms of getting involved, yeah, and wanting to la- add layers to the songs with his voice. Yeah, they're proper melodic backing vocals. I, I absolutely love this part of the song. And what's interesting is the second time you go to this part of the song, mm. they don't have the backing vocals, so you can. You, it's an opportunity for you to do your, your Chili's karaoke. Which is great. And sing the backing vocals over that part. Well, can I ask you a, a question? Yeah. What, I can't remember which band it was. I think it might have been R.E.M. It was R.E.M. and Monster. What, they, they purposely did a yeah. karaoke section? Yeah, they pur- purposely did, on a lot of the songs, or on four, four or five of the songs, yeah. an additional chorus with no vocals. With no vocals. So, so that you could, you could sing. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? Thoughtful. Well, it's, it's great. I mean, does it serve... Is, does it always serve the song particularly well is another question mm. but does it serve the listener oh it serves the listener perfectly and I think that's a that's a you know an artistic juggling act that we've all experienced yeah I mean it serves the listener up a hot steaming platter of empty orchestra ah uh, karaoke mm, yeah yes, indeed yes, indeed very good, very good yeah thank you very much thank you very much so I mean I, I've got some uh, let's talk about that descending piano part then and let's okay. really try to get perspective here on yeah the size of the people involved. <laughs> well, also, let's, let's get perspective on that, but let's get some serious pers- perspective as to whether it's the right thing for the song. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. It's brilliant. Okay, that's, that's clear that That's up. clear that, that up immediately. So let's try and get some perspective on the size of the people well, involved. Well, first of all, I do need to get some perspective on just how long the descending piano part is. Because it, yes. what Flea does here is, instead of playing a descending line and then looping that line four times, mm. he plays an ultra-long descending line. That yeah. once it gets to the point where you think, oh, he's going to go back high now, he continues to go back, he continues to continue going down. He doesn't continue to continue going down, he just he continues, continues going, going down. down. And so it only loops twice. So he yeah. plays it twice. It's, it's great. And it's such an imaginative thing to do. And at times it feels, it sounds slightly off, but in an on kind of way. Mm. I can only imagine what it must be like to be an artist in your element, having the freedom to do exactly what you want, even if it's playing a miniature piano. Okay, let's get let's get there in that case. I've I've come up with a. Have you ever played a miniature piano? Yeah. It, what while you were full size? Yeah, and I think what's happening here because you see it on Funky Monks that it very much looks like on this part of on that descending piano line that Flea plays. It's not the one used because he bums a note. Yeah. But it, you see what piano that line was played on. Yes. What I think they've done 
because it looks like a full size a full size man playing a full size piano, doesn't mm. it? What I think they've done is use false perspective, and I think they've taken the small piano, the baby grand, the baby one. You know, the very miniature one that he's banging away on at another point in the documentary, yes, yeah. about the size of a shoebox. Yes, I think they've placed that very close to the lens. Yes, and I think they've then placed flea back about thirty <clears throat> or forty yards. Yes. And then got the camera angle exactly right and placed him perfectly at the point where it looks like it's a full-size man playing a full-size piano. When in fact what it is, is a full-size man playing a miniature piano, Mm. but they're both placed 30 or 40 yards apart to achieve that effect. Mm. And then they've had to overdub that sound of him playing the sending line and making that mistake on it in post in the documentary Funky Monks. No idea what it's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard a false perspective, though. Oh, have yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just you kept mentioning pianos and men, <laughs> distances. <laughs> I drifted off. I, some well-placed mmm. It was all I could get. All I could offer. Well, oh, well done. But well done. No, I think if that—that's just a hypothesis. Was that? That's, that's not. That's not. I can't prove that. But proven. I strongly suspect that that's how that how that, how that effect was. Achieved. Maybe you could run me through that later on. Well, I, I could do it again now, but I'll, I'll leave it. If you did understand it first time round, listeners, feel free just to go back a couple of minutes. And oh, please do. You can hear yeah, that again. Absolutely. It's available for eternity. Or until I stop paying, or we stop paying the hosting fees. Yeah, no, that is important to say. That I, do, I do pay my... You do pay your I fair pay share my way. Them. Yeah. You know, if there's one thing I'm not, it's a financial shirker. Uh, the renewal, the yearly renewal's coming up. Great. So, the last verse, back, back out into that single note clean stuff. Yes. In the last verse, the swan gets a big echo in his voice, which I've not noticed before as well. Most noticeable at 3.27 on the word, on the word things, where he's repeatedly saying, these are just a few of my favourite things. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's great, David. But he's just a few as well. Yeah, exactly. Man, the, the guy is he's superb on a song. And that woo from the swan as John does that Ooh. huge slide. Yeah. What a combination of great sounds. That massive slide from John and that huge woo from Flea. Yeah. Uh, Flea might have wooed from that anthem. He might have done. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's just fantastic to, to hear one and the other in unison. Climaxing. Oh. Uh, you know, or should I say bringing such a great song. Yeah. To a climax. Yeah, you can say either one, but it doesn't. Mm. There are it's different, a, different connotations. Yeah. I see what you thought immediately. As that song climaxes, it comes to a great climax. So let's type that conversation about Mellowship Slinky, and we are moving on now. We're to, really pleased, don't we? Oh, what a tune. I'm having a great time talking about these songs as well. We're now going to move on to The Righteous and the Wicked, and we're going to see what we make of that. Yeah, are you looking forward to it, or are you sort of slightly trepidatious? Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm slightly trepidatious. I think it's an absolutely superb song. Yes, 
Well, as I come righteously, but you come wickedly. Oh, my word. Out of the righteous and the wicked. You must have planned that. Well, I, I just thought of it two seconds ago. That's, I can't believe that, Ben. I just can't believe it. Just where I roll, buddy. Okay, well, great uh, short-term planning. <laughs> Absolutely. I never know what I'm going to say. No. <laughs> you know, has its benefits, but also has its drawbacks. A huge amount of editing has to go into this podcast. <laughs> well, not only that, in, well, in everyday life. Yeah. I mean, professionally, it's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get into The Righteous and the Wicked, a song that I have been vocally dispassionate about. If that, I mean, that's putting it mildly. Well, you tried, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you tried to get this removed from the internet. Not the internet, certainly the album at one stage. I was suggesting that uh, they take off Naked in the Rain in this. However, mm. there's been come to your a huge U-turn. Oh, wow. A huge turn. Yes. With, a, uh, with the U, <laughs> yeah. with H lowercase, a capital U, yeah. and a lowercase G and E. Yeah. You know online, yeah. when some, sometimes people write stuff and it's randomly in capital and lowercase, hmm. as if to emphasise a point? I, I, I'd never seen that before in my life. <laughs> okay. Well, you're probably not the person to explain it to me. No. And it's probably... Never, I, mean, I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say it was, it was people younger than ourselves. <laughs> I think it might be. I just can't get to grips with it. I don't know what it means. I don't know what to make of it. Well, anyway, this, this uh, for maybe me... Maybe this is not the forum. No. Well, it's a fabulous forum. We'll go that far. Yeah. Well, uh, but it's not the correct forum. No. And did you know that the forum is where the LA Lakers play their home games? Uh, yeah, I did. Well, I, I believe I did. Yeah, is that true? I don't actually the thing is, I need to know that's true now. Because, you know, I'm going to start I, I don't, it off. Well, you are, you're next spouting it off right next now. Next time I order a coffee at the local cafe, I'm going to sort of throw Did that in. Did you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look up LA Lakers, because I'm 99% sure. How, would you like any sugar with that, sir? Yes, please, Did I'll have you know? forum. Oh, that's nice. Four, four of them. Not that I drink coffee or have sugar in it. No, but you will just But for, I will once. But for the sake of <laughs> saying that. <laughs> yeah. La la la. The Lakers play the home games at Crypto.com Arena. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. Uh, Surely at some stage it was called the Forum. uh, You see, now this goes back to my previous theory that he is talking about the Fabulous Forum. This is a first. Yeah. My Lakers are a dorm. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to rewrite history. I'm just going to. Uh, Turns out, sorry, Simon's just returned to the garage after a... Uh, home arenas, home arenas. The Forum, yes! The Forum served as the LA Lakers home arena from 1967 to 1999 before they moved to their present home, the Crypto.com Arena. Which has got much more of a ring to it. Well, I have to say, rocking to, to the, the beat, beat of the, the Crypto.com <laughs> Arena. <laughs> that doesn't with much, does it? Well, hang right, on. I have seen her. Okay. Rocking to the beat of the Crypto.com Arena. My Lakers, I have seen her. Blush, my lady, when I tell her. Oh, no, I do indeed I love to smell her. Rock it, shop and wet your pink umbrella. Go. Do the- I thought you were going to come in there. No, no, I couldn't. I just can't. Whenever we go to that, I just can't stop thinking about the... uh, He dries up. Okay. He dries up. Ironically, he dries up. Mm. A huge turn. Sorry. We're going back to a (laughs) U-turn. The thing we've had before. Of course. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Don't apologise. No, no, yeah. Well, apology accepted. (laughs) Well, yes. A huge turn. 
Yeah. This song, The Righteous and the Wicked, and look how I've written it on my notes. I've done a kind of a Swan-esque embellishment. I'll put the R and the top. W, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, that's great. That's you taking inspiration from the Swan directly mm. and then demonstrating it to me <clears throat> materially. And if I also can say that it's sponsorship time. Oh, is it? Yeah. Crime One, it. two, three, four. What you drinking? Go. More than up, enough. Yeah. Oh, oh, you go. Shipping over and over again. Go. Little Lolly. What you drinking? Sam. Wow. What you drinking? So who are you sponsored by this week? What are you drinking? Could you, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm drinking. Could you open it on the Oxford? Well, probably with difficulty. No, no. It's perfectly placed just above the gas cupboard. That's it. Get it direct. That's it. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> That's it. See, it works. It works. He did it first time. The best he did it first he did it. time. He did it first time, confirmed. What I would say in my defence is that that octopus is perfectly placed for non-bottle top removal. Yes, but as a bottle right. It's been there for about six months and I've only opened five bottles on it. Mm. So for most of the time, it's perfect. Anyway... I am absolutely privileged today to bring you a new sponsor from Maine, USA. Do you know who else is from Maine? I certainly bloody know who's from Maine. He knows who's from Maine. SK, motherfucker! Yes, that's right. Stephen King. It's Shipyard Pale Ale. It's an American IPA. I'm now going to apply some directly to the mouth. Imagine it's Stephen King himself being applied to the mouth. Can I just... <laughs> okay. I'll that, just do that, that, that it as if it's shipyard. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> Here it goes. Hmm. He looks unsure. Mouthfeel. Yeah. Ubiquitous. Nice. Tipper. Taste. Is that the next category? Yeah. It's certainly got bitter undertones. Oh, my word. In one of my favourite SK books, Stephen King. He describes. No, it's called Four Past Midnight. There's four stories. He does, there's a little quote at the front, and it says something like, he quotes a, a poem, I think it is. Do you think he'd just drunk some shipyard? Yeah, because he says, or this quote says, something like, I saw a creature in the desert eating his own heart. I said... That's a recipe for disaster. I said, how does it taste? And he said, it tastes bitter. Bitter, because it is my heart. Christ. So maybe that is a shipyard reference. Yes, I mean, it's a lovely... I mean, I, I, first time I've been sponsored by Shippy, of yeah. course, but it's not the first time I've, I've had the pleasure of uh, imbibing it through the mouth. No, sure. So I, I do love it. it. It is hoppy, but it is also very, very tasty. So if there's anyone out there who's looking for a hoppy IPA... Go and get yourself some shipyard. Mm. Read a Stephen King book. Oh, yeah. Bosh. Yeah. I mean, what, what a Saturday a, night. What a great combination. I'm, you do I'm, it any day of the week. As you know, I'm a huge Stephen King fan, and I've been rereading all of the Castle Rock stories recently. You oh, have. Wowzers. Great author. Well, what would you call your Stephen King podcast? Well, there is already a Stephen King podcast that I listen to called The King Cast. Okay, so, so what would you call yours? The Stephen Cast. <laughs> 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 I'm sponsored by two people. Of actually, three. So far. Oh, your sponsors are thrice. Yes. Thank God you haven't got four. As we know, that, quad, yeah, that opens right, up yeah, a, it does, but we can't a world that. of pain. 
Carling. Mouthfeel. Mm, I would love, yeah. This is... Uh... Mouthfeel. Almost a complete waste of space. Taste. Flavourless. <laughs> <laughs> the lolly. <laughs> Why do you drink it? The lolly. Okay, the, uh, the lolly. This is what we all came for. Flavour. Cola. Mouthfeel. Hard and round. <laughs> like every lolly should be. And my third sponsor contacted recently, and I was absolutely thrilled. I bet you were. The Crypto.com Arena. Yeah. Oh, wow, really? I mean, that's a big one. Hmm. That huge. must be bringing in big dollar. Huge dollar. Big crypto. Yeah. Huge coin. Great. Hang on. So they got sponsored by this thing in 1999 and it's called the crypto crypto wasn't a thing in 99 i mean i don't know anyway i don't know two three four what you drinking whoa when was crypto was it 99 was it 2000 what you drinking so the righteous and the wicked oh i mean we're gonna go i think we're gonna go straight here to uh, Aidan to speak about the bass. Then we're going to go straight to Coon's uh, playing of the parts. Yes. Because, I mean, Aidan's going to explain about the bass that's used, the five-string bass. Coon's uh, going to absolutely play the head out of the intro, which is actually played on a Gibson uh, lap steel. A Gibson lap steel. Coon, um, this is such a great example, a great example of how it sounds though. And Coon's not even playing a, a lap steel. He's playing a, a Fender Strat which you still can kind of put on your lap and you tune it differently. You can put anything on your lap, really. The noisy intro, says Kuhn, is a Gibson lap steel played with a slide through the Fender hot amp on the lead channel with the contour around seven. To recreate the sound on the guitar, you have to tune the high E to a D and the B string to an A. So that's how he's achieving the sound that you're going you're gonna to hear shortly. So, to Aiden, and then to Kuhn, and Kuhn's going to do the intro and the guitar solo because Aiden plays the solo part. Absolutely brilliant. We're going to crack on with that. Bosh. Thanks, guys. Here we go with The Righteous and the Wicked. This is the third bass I'm playing for you um, in this podcast. So thank you guys for making me kind of uh, get my bass collection out. <laughs> We're back to the five-string now. And the last time we saw the five-string bass was in Funky Monks. Um, and he uses it again in The Righteous and the Wicked. And the five-string bass is a bass that's got an extra fatter lower string so it enables you to go lower down. So that note is my low B, and you can only reach that note if you play a five-string bass. And Flea uses that a lot on the opening riff. And those four bars really build up much of the song. Um, there's a lot of repetition of that. Sometimes we get these little bluesy feels, so um, later on in the song we hear something like... But really, it's the core of the line is the same. It's just it's just flea adding in variations to keep it interesting. So I guess we call that the 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 um the verse riff, and we're strictly in B minor here. As we go to the chorus, there's only really three notes in the chorus.
we've seen it before with the chilies, uh, like with Suck My Kiss, that if you have a repeated riff, they like to change a little bit of rhythm here or there just to keep it interesting, which is why the first one finishes with... Um, and the second one finishes with... It's the same notes. They're just being clever. They're just being clever with the riff. That leads into a section which is um, using more jazzy chords. We're seeing things like diminished chords and seventh chords here. And Flea links these up with quite a linear baseline that links all the root notes together. into that section and again that's another example of taking the same riff and rhythmically treating it in two different ways so the first one is based around semi-quavers and the second one is based around quavers but it's the same chord sequence um, and it's the same kind of note choice from flea it's the rhythms that make it interesting there's one final section here which is really interesting and I'm hearing a lot of Led Zeppelin vibes in here. There's a bit in both Black Dog and Cashmere where the bass and guitar playing a different time signature to the drums. And that's exactly what happens in the, in the, in the middle section of the song here. The bass and the guitar play in 5-4 and the drums play in 4-4. So if I play the, the main riff that um, Flea and John play here, you'll hear there's five beats in it. So there's five beats of music there. And underneath that, um, they loop that, and underneath that, Chad plays in 4-4, four, four, which means we get a different... It's, we call it phasing, when riffs, riffs, riffs move around the top of each other. It means the downbeat changes each time. It makes it really interesting, and it's a great way of getting a lot of mileage out of, out of a, a short, repeated phrase. So if I, if I play the whole section... into that bit and that is essentially the whole song um there's something at the end of the song here which is a bit of a precursor to one hot minute which i find interesting it's obviously an idea that they had there and then when john left and dave joined it's an idea they used to an even further extent later on in the next album um but i think that's pretty much everything i need to talk about in this song over to you guys <laughs>
And we're back. I mean, you can hear the musicianship uh, displayed by both of those men absolutely wonderfully. Sam, hit me with JJ's thoughts on the drums on The Righteous and the Wicked. How fat? Is that F-A-T or P-H-A-T? P-H-A-T. Nice. Punchy, funky and groovy do you want your intros to be? Every time I hear this song start, it always gives me instant stank face. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds good. <laughs> it does. I will always love hearing Chad say two, three, four before the oh, guitar you can even in. hear the one as well in there, I think. Truly excellent stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I always love hearing people count now, listen, ben, quietly. Right. You know, you can come in saying that you always love these counts and you've always loved this, you've always loved that. Yeah. Up until last week, you hated this song. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't come into my, don't, you know, our party. Don't come into your realm. Yeah. Oh, let's actually, let's find out if it is a triplicate party, a duplicate party or a singular party. It's definitely duplicate. We're going to go to Simon. Simon, did you enjoy The Righteous and the Wicked on that? Listen. Loved it. It's a triplicate party. Mm. Sam, continue with Jack. The first thing I noticed about the chorus on the track is the use of the cowbell. Ah, and this was something I'd never, ever noticed, mm. even through a good quality pair of headphones. Well, that's, uh, could this be, Ben, that you, because you've never listened to the song before? Because well, of your, it's, it's, your, it's your completely irrational hatred of what is a fantastic song. But I've huge turned. And anyway, I'll, I'll, let you off. I'll let you off. I'll okay. let you off. Might not be what everyone else notices, but it sticks out like a sore thumb to me. I'm not against it, just not sure it's needed for the entirety of the chorus. Okay, so he's anti-cowbell. No, he's pro-cowbell, but not necessarily thinking there needs to be cowbell all the way through it. He's prowbell. Yeah. But on a time-restricted basis. Exactly. I think that's fair enough. It's like a timeshare cowbell. Again, the accents. Chad is doing a lot of cymbal work and accenting the pushed and pulled guitars with crash cymbals and the hi-hats. It's highly unlikely it'll ever happen now, but I'd love to see this played live as it feels like there's loads of room for Chad to improvise and go a bit wild during these sections. It is highly unlikely, and that's something that we've all had to come to terms with. Well, until this point, I was very, very happy with the decision. Mm. But what a song. Let's continue with Jack. Cowboy makes a return for the riff section of the song. It's probably better suited here than during the choruses. It also, I also really like how stripped back Chad's playing is on the riff section because the bass and the guitar and the playing are really intricate parts. Chad is just leaving it wide open, laying it down for them. Yeah, and that's what he says. He plays as, as funky and as hard as he can and just lets these boys paint over the top like Robert Williams, they stroke, they splatter, and the swan himself will attest to their grey matter. Yes, yes. Now, interestingly, if it, uh, this may or may not be interesting, when Jack says that he prefers the cowbell in the, in the kind of riff slash... It's a riff, it's not a solo, yeah, that section. Not so keen on it all the way through the chorus. So if you're pro-cowbell, you just told me that you're pro-bell. Mm. But if you're con-cowbell, it simply returns to cowbell. Well, that, I think that's the problem with the cowbell. Because yeah. there are a lot of people who are against Who are against it. cowbell, but just have to call just it a cowbell. Simply can't vocalise the fact they sound cowbell. Mm. Yeah, do you like cowbell? Yes, yeah, I'm cowbell. cowbell. Ah. No, that, no, they'd say, do you like cowbell? No, I'm cowbell. Yeah, exactly. So, and that can easily be interpreted as to mean they like cowbell. Yeah, when they say, do you like cowbell? If they like it, they say, yes, I'm proudbell. And the other person doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I think this is why the Cabo has has managed to sort of infiltrate music to this day. Because <laughs> no one people who don't like, the people who don't the like people it. who are against it claim to claim they like it. <laughs> claim they are a cowbell. <laughs> tricky, tricky times for all involved. Well, it's still starting to make sense. So, what transition between the end of Mellowship? But down, bam, bam. Yeah, let's get down to the nitty gritty. bam, 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 bam. I can't finish. I keep looping back. I keep looping back around. Bad, 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 What a great transition that is! What yeah. a fantastically. And there's a little bit of room noise there as well at the, at the very start. Oh the yeah, there's, there's 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 room noise. A dash, there's amp noise across this. Yeah. yeah, a dash of room noise. Yeah, a splash of John, and a hint of Chad. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, as as discussed. You've got the that five string bass coming in, committed. Oh God! It's as Aidan said on the on the mellowship uh, notes. It's not the notes that you're picking. Sometimes it's how you were playing those mm. notes, mm. and it is huge that sound. The um, the five string bass sounds massive at the start of this. Then it goes bombastic with John's crazy Gibson yeah. lap steel yeah. part. Yeah, I'm just going to go through the. Um, the guitar notes from, from Kuhn here. We've done the intro. The verse is a strat on the neck pickup through the Fender Hot Amp on the bright channel. What's interesting about this tone is they used a room mic pretty far away from the amp to get a lot of room reverb. The more direct sound is panned right and the room mic is panned left. So when you're getting room sound, what you're doing is you're putting, um, you're putting the mic further away from the, the, the cone of the speaker. Yes. And so you're allowing... The room to have more, you're hearing more of the effect on the room. Of that allowing kind of that through. Yeah, the chorus is played on a Gibson Les Paul through the Fender Hot Amp on the lead lead channel with the contour around seven. This is panned right, and the exact same take is heavily EQ'd, very mid focused, and panned left. So, and, and this is great. The transitions between that strat sound on the verses going into that like super heavy chorus, mm. and you can even hear quite uh, noticeably. There's a there's a passing of the torch between the verse guitar, the Strat, to the Les Paul as John plays something uh, over on the, in the I think it's the left ear for the Strat more predominantly, and then it goes across to the big powerful uh, the, the the Gibson Les Paul, and it really feels like it's being passed across and it really kicks in. Mm. Such a cool guitar line on the on the chorus. The solo is played on the Gibson with the same sound as the chorus. There's also a harmony part that's played on the fenderless strat, which is panned left. Yeah. Oh, the fretless fender strat. <laughs> yeah. So you've got the, the fretless is back. Again, this, this feeds into Aiden's hypothesis as to why this might not have been played live. Do you think? Well, I'm, only, you know, I'm thinking on my feet here. Absolutely, you are. This is a live podcast. Yes, we've got a lot, a lot of bits of paper floating about, and we've got oh. to think on our feet, haven't we? So it could be that. This song and... You know when you twin a song? Yes. What, what does this twin with? For me, this twins with the power of equality. Oh, yeah. I mean, thematically, it's a message song, isn't it? It is. I, I think the message is better... That's ah, difficult. I find that... I think there's more than one message in this one. Yeah. This is more of a mixed metaphor, a mixed message. But some of them strike home, some of them don't. I think some of it is... I love some of the swans. That's loud. I love some of the Swans' choice of lyric on this song in places, and I think in other places it's a bit clumsy. 
Yes, yeah, possibly. But I think the the intent is is the same. Yeah. Um, and I, and I love you know we were young men once, mm. men in our twenties. Mm. Um, more powerful men, more vigorous. Well, men. certainly more hopeful men. You know, hopeful of being able to affect change ourselves. And this is what you get from the Chiles at this point. They are they're still young. They're still with a platform as well, which is fantastic. They are delivering messages which should sensibly be actioned. Oh, God, unfortunately, I think, yeah, I think we all agree. Thirty that. years later. A lot of the things that they were advocating in 1991 are still things that need to happen to this day. And that is, unfortunately, a, you know, a, a, a sad state of affairs. However, it's great to hear that kind of belief and that kind of confidence in we're here, we're going to change the world. It happened in the power of quality. It, ha- it happens here in the Rochester and the Wicked vital messages i think some of them yeah i don't think bands will ever stop using their platform to put across their their political viewpoint not all bands do it, but let's just think about my four bands of course so you've got the chilies here on blood sugar doing it with power of quality and the righteous and the wicked you've got extreme putting across messages and songs like peacemaker die political amity Polit- literally talking about politics on political amity rem of course, with songs like Exhuming McCarthy, well, a lot of political songs on uh, Drive, uh, Smack, Crack, Bushwhacked, and, of course, Guns N' Roses with Civil War. So there's all four of my bands doing message songs. Let's get back to The Righteous and the Wicked. So this, th- these verses, I think, are a great example of what John speaks about when they recording this album about leaving space, or him playing less to allow the rest <laughs> Sorry, of it. Sorry, um, <laughs> I thought you meant when they returned to Earth. yes well that from the stadium arcadium album cover photo shoot now john's talk on uh with ruben about leaving space on the (laughs) first about leaving space for the rest of the band to play sure on the first verse here there's a huge swathe of time when Mm. john doesn't play anything he plays that initial kind of funky guitar part and then just stops, yeah. and it's just the, the other three. So uh, musically, it's just The Myth and Mickey B. The Flea mm. covering that with that huge bass line. And it's such a good ethos of not overdoing your part. When can you step back? When can, the, when can you let the rest of the guys fill in and, yeah. and do what they do best? Yeah, That's great. And it's such a good song. I love this song. As you say, there's that kind of relationship that they share in the verses where, you know, they're all working together. But when it feeds then into the chorus, now it goes to a new level. And again, we've got John delivering what is possibly the first example of what you've termed Singing similar things at different speeds. Well, not only that, though, but that sound of his voice. Oh, the hollow sound. The hollow, yeah. And I think this is, is this Flea as well? It Must could be, it could be, be both of them, but yeah. I mean, predominantly I hear John. But, yes, so do I. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly singing that 
The righteous and the wicked are the war and peace. The righteous and the wicked, war and peace. The killing, they stop the human Jordan beast. Flea, for his name, is saying, The righteous and the wicked are the war and peace. The killing, they stop yeah. the human and then, and then it P-O-P, goes to P.O.P. P.O.P. Private Jesus Peace. Then they sing the, knee, the on your knees bit. By yeah. the time, and by that point, the swan's caught them up yeah. and delivers a line that they don't get to. Yeah. That's, it is, I wonder how that came together. I know. Just um, The more we talk about this, the more I, I sort of get an understanding of just how creatively free and creatively they must have just the results must have just been coming and coming as a result of that creative freedom they they every single day or every single time they got together to to create they must have just been hitting on things that they knew were going to work yeah it's it's the idea of try it if it works brilliant we've got something cool if it doesn't work don't worry about it but don't be embarrassed about getting it wrong don't be embarrassed about making mistakes, like you said earlier. Yeah. Learn from failure. Because you can get something wrong, but say, oh, there was the genesis there, or the seed of a good idea. Yeah, Let's expand on that. Exactly, and equally, when you come to another song and you've, you've rejected an idea earlier on, there's the possibility that you might be writing another song, and you go, oh, what about that thing that yeah, we tried yeah. on whatever it may have been? Yeah. That might work here. Yeah. That's just incredible. And actually... This brings me back to this very podcast where we sit here and we talk and we talk about all manner of things. And we, there, of course, there is stuff that gets edited out, but it, I would say that it's a very small percentage of what we actually talk about. Most of what we sure. say goes in. We work together. And one of the best things is when one of us, go, you know, one of us will say something. And it'll be completely... Because <laughs> he's lost his muff. Yeah, yeah. It'll be completely off-piste, you know. It'll be something unrelated, but it might be something that might lead to something funny. Hmm. So we'll go with it, we'll roll with it, we'll try it, and a lot of the time it works and we end up in, in hysterics. That kind of trust, that kind of freedom, that kind of belief that whatever we do it could be something brilliant. Yeah. It's, and if it's, it's not, I'll it's cut it out. It's liberating, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You, because you just say, well, I can do, we can do whatever we want. And it could be brilliant. Yeah. What a, what a world to live in. And yeah. wow, just to think about the fact that we, live, we have that in our own environment. That's pretty great. It's good fun. I'll tell you that for nothing. And I've just realised that um, POP. Prodigies of peace. POP is obviously short for popular. Well, pop, yeah. yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Just suss that out. Popular, popular prodigies of peace. Bam, bam, bam. I am praying for a better day. That's perfect because I love that post-chorus section. I love the fact that John, from going to yeah. a really funky verse part... Yeah, there is some funky ...where, where he's well. absolutely he's hitting hard, he's, mute, he's just muting the strings, just hitting the strings to get that percussive sound at points in the verse, to a really wide-open chorus where, on a completely different guitar, where it's a lot of just letting it ring. Bam, mm. bam, bam. He goes to that post-chorus section where he's 
he's playing that that cleaner guitar, mm. but strumming really cleanly. So it's there's no muting going no, on there. No, it's a, it's a really nice juxtaposition. But well, it's another. It's a triple threat. It's the funky, sometimes muted part. It's the wide open, distorted part, and it's yeah. the clean and so. I, I know it's a descending line, so it's difficult to say that it soars. But I love that part of this song. Yeah. For me, that and I love the fact that the first time they play it, they play it twice around. The second time they play it, they play it once around. So it's the inverse of what you might think you're doing if you're building the song. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. It's very. Do you think that maybe is what gives this song a slight disadvantage? Is that it does include those heavier elements? Yeah, because it's not like the rest of the album. It's it's a big, big, driven Les Paul. Yeah. And you're not getting much of that on this album. It's no. a different sound. Yeah. But, again, as you, as you just mentioned, there are some really funky elements as well, but they're more, they're more hidden. They're, you have to listen. You have to listen out for them. Well, I think, yeah, those, those funky parts is really just John, John's guitar part on the verses. Yeah. The rest is kind of metally. Or, but I don't think it's it, it, it's um, aged badly. This song, it's in, interesting. So I think compared to I could have lied or Mellowship, yeah. I think this is one that sounds possibly yeah po- po- uh, that it has aged a little bit more. But even even something like My Lovely Man, I think, could suffer from from this problem because it does have pretty heavy. Guitars. No, I, I, no I, I feel differently about my life. But you know, yeah, because, but you know, yeah, well, it's, it's a different sound to the, to a lot of the rest of the album. Yeah, I, I, when I listen to my lovely man now, I love it. Don't get me wrong, but I do think that it, it um, potentially is open to that kind of criticism that it's a product of its time more so than some of the you know some of the other songs. But again, this is where they succeed in dragging something that could, you know, could fall into that category. There's so, there's some ageless parts to mm. to not only My Lovely Man but uh, The Righteous and the Wicked. So overall, I think it's fine. I don't think there's a problem in terms of you know the song sounding old. I I don't think they do. But. I think that potentially uh, The Righteous and the Wicked is one that could... I think The Righteous and the Wicked is one that does perhaps fall into that category. Hmm. And let's see what Amos has got to say about this. He says he really likes this one. It isn't one of the standout tracks, but it's a cog in the machine. It fits perfectly. It's one of the heaviest songs on the album with some of the most metal-sounding guitars. The solo sound amazes me like a buzzsaw. And the way the song fades and finishes, then Chad counts in his explosion of his tightly-tuned snare drumming to give it away is complete genius. Yeah, so A may say again, refer- referencing that metally sound. Well, that's it just sounds, very interesting, isn't it? It sounds a bit a that guitar sound on the chorus sounds a little bit eighties to me. I think it sounds like a holdover from Mother's Milk. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it, but it's possible. That, that, I don't think there's any point on this album where I think that that, that is, you know, we go back to the eighties. I think I think it's such a progressive album. Yeah, okay, that, that's that's it. Does it does sort of hold its own as a as an album of the 90s and an important album of the 90s, obviously. One of the most seminal albums. Seminal. But, but yeah, there, there is an argument to be... I mean, it's be interesting to discuss this at the meet-up. 
course. And let's let's plug the meetup. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we are going to have a meetup in London in a pub within a twenty-minute radius of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yes. Is that where we're going? There certainly is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And we're going to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers there, obviously. Ah, so uh, yes. If anyone wants to join us, we're going to have some fun. Tablecloths and coasters to be given away. A tablecloth. Tablecloth to be given away and coaster sets. Coaster sets, plural. To be given away. Yeah. Don't know where it's going to be, but last time oh, we had an amazing time. So if you just want to come along. Do not, it, man. Not only to come and come have a chat to us, but to have yeah. a chat to other people who would. Everyone was absolutely bloody lovely. The best. It's amazing. Yeah, it was just the best thing, really, wasn't it, last time? Imagine doing that and then going to a Red Hot Chili Peppers gig. Incredible. With the people that you've met at the meeting. It was. At, the atmosphere was electric. It was fantastic. I, I, all of the guys who came, and girls who came to the last one, please come again. And also, if you weren't there, travel from far and wide. It's well worth it. It'll be the best five hours of your life. I have to say, the low light of the day for me, potentially, was that can of hot canned wine. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. Yeah. The, I have to say, the company was fantastic yeah. on the walk. The hot canned wine... It was like battery acid. I was so upset as well because for some reason I didn't get a can of hot, of hot wine. wine and <laughs> I didn't have a drink between the pub. And not that I needed one. We've been in the pub for five hours. Yeah, you guys, I didn't, um, I didn't have but a But I was so pissed off that I didn't have a... a yeah, yeah. And, and now, now it, you know, in the cold light of day, even the day after, I, I realised that... Uh, probably best not to drink Probably best wine. not to drink hot wine. But at the time, I was livid. Hot, hot canned wine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's just hit a few points on the righteous and the wicked. We talked a bit on uh, I Could Have Lied about how John is just doing some of those little embellishments and how subtle they were. Here, there's a point at the song um, where you can just hear the hot amp feed back before mm. the chorus. Yeah. And he's getting ready to play it. Mm. And it's used... It's not cut out. No. You, you and it's cho- heavier embellishment. Yeah, your choice is to take that out, and that's almost an embellishment in itself, isn't it? I know. Yeah, yeah. It it um, it just seems that whatever they did worked, was, even the mistakes, even the mistakes, or even the more experimental stuff just just came off it. It's a <sighs> listening to this with you guys this afternoon has just re-emphasised to me that this is their best album. I, well, you know that I, I, I come and I, I come and I go. That you know, much like John Fashanta. Oh, God, you're not a sexy Mexican maid, eh? I'm sure I can hear a low piano note on this song as well. And I think I can hear that at 1.32 as the bass and guitar play those three stabs into verse two. I think it goes into that bit. It's a low piano note, I think I hear. Mm. A low, a low, uh, low register piano. Did I say a low bass note? Or did I say piano note? No, piano. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm looking for the piano, piano a piano, piano, yes, a piano. Just any old piano. No one, one that makes you dance. And what we've just done is what the swan does as well. Mm. Uh, he does that uh, when he says, uh, that is what she needs, leading into... Shall I give you a, a verbal example? Yeah, please do. Leading into the second chorus, the swan holds the word needs as it that really That is what she needs. Yeah, that's 
pretty much what he does. I was like, that's a slightly more extreme version of what he does. Yeah. But it's certainly... Uh, Maybe. And it's not something I'd ever noticed before, because I never listened to songs before. I know. Well, you said to me, check, check this, this out, man. man. This oh, is a hot take. This will blow your mind. <laughs> yeah. This is my hot take from the hot amp. Yeah. It's like, yeah, man, I've heard it a thousand times. Yeah, man. Man. <laughs> take Dave. <laughs> hey, Steve. Anyway, great solo. Great, um, great solo part. Yeah, the solo. Let's talk about that, because... Obviously, as Aidan said, it's getting mileage out of a, 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 what is essentially a repetitive process. But it's brilliant. It's... And it's cool because um, Flea's playing his part. John's playing exactly the same part, but not quite exactly. So he's just put, he's putting on a couple of little flicks and stuff to get between the notes. Yeah. And that works. that works so well. And I love that at the end of that part, those two big screaming notes, and you can hear them on either ear. Yeah. You can hear them on either ear. Yeah. Both doing something different. It's like two guitars <laughs> yeah. battling to take control. It is. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, so this song, and, and of course, Aiden's talking about the kind of proto one hot minute ending. Yeah, exactly. Which um, is is actually a very interesting... Actually, 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 actually. It's a very interesting point, that, because we do we do come to uh, recognise that they had trouble... Stopping playing the stopping. same note over and over again. Yeah. It works, for me, much better here. Well, of course it does. Cause than it on One Hot Minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The it, song One Hot Minute. It, uh, it goes on for... A, a much, fraction of the time. <laughs> yeah. But a brilliant song... A song full of attitude, full of hope, full of a desire for change. What a song. Yeah. I've always loved it. Yeah, as have I. And so I think as two <laughs> brothers, we can both say it's a song that we've always loved. Sa- uh, Simon, out of ten, what would you give this? A strong night? Solid eight and a half. <laughs> <laughs> he likes it, but uh, he doesn't love it. All right, can I just say this to you? Crank it. Well, as we said, crank it. We could crank it no further, I'm afraid. We won't do the first four songs on... Uh, well, that's a lie. We were going to do the... Oh, I could have lied. Yes, I could have lied. You did lie. I did lie. I did lie. That's I did lie! <laughs> <laughs> we were going to do four songs today, but uh, due to circumstances beyond our control, a power cut at the podcast garage. Yes, a power outage if you're American. Uh, if you're an American. The power literally went out. We couldn't do it. No, it's now quarter well, past 11 well, we, in the evening and we've just come back online. Yeah, and we're just trying to wrap this thing up. Just desperately trying to wrap this thing up. We've been trying to wrap it up and now we are. So we will. We haven't got time to talk about uh, Give It Away. Unfortunately, we'll pick that up in the next episode. So the next episode will be slightly more bumper. It might be a, a, a bumper thon. thon. <laughs> <laughs> might be another bumper thon, let's say. <laughs> They're all bumper thons. <laughs> well, this one's a bumper thon. We've been about three songs. I know. Well, you know what they call us. The Bumper Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what they call us. I can't find the socials photo. Oh, this is a living hell. <laughs> Hang on. Let's... Bear with him. Bear with him. Found it. Okay. If you'd like to look at the website where this is all hosted, that is bentownsendmusic.net. 
bentownsendmusic at hotmail.com is where you can email us. We love hearing from you guys. And you better be pretty damn sure you're going to get a reply. Might take a few days, but you'll get a reply. Certainly will. And unispeak hyphen RHCP podcast. What's that? That was red. red it, is Abandon that. No, we've, ba- we've abandoned that. At University RHCP is uh, me on Twitter. Sam on Twitter, you are? At Stack Townsend. And I'm always in- ready for <laughs> interaction. <laughs> always ready for a burp. On Insta, universally speaking, RHCP underscore pod. Please join us on this journey. Become an ambassador. Also, please feel free to rate and review us on iTunes or your pod catcher of choice your platform of choice five please five please nothing less than five if it's gonna be nothing less than five please don't bother <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please don't do it yeah and and if you're gonna say something nasty don't bother if you want to be really really positive you've got five stars we're happy to receive them yeah we are you know we're, we're in for positivity we're in for that kind of come on everyone together and also we should just point out that we didn't mention on the mellowship chat that the swan not only references a song he has previously written he also references himself, a non-stop Yo Swan, Hello Chip. Yes. Yes, we did. And we also didn't ask the question, what's a Hello Chip? We didn't ask either of those questions or raise either of those points, but we're doing it now, so I think uh, we can tick it off. Right at the bitter end. <laughs> so next time, start for Give It Away. It'll be a bumperthon, a marathon, or any other kind of thon. Thank you for joining us. A songathon. A songathon, if you will. Thank you for joining us on this episode of University Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. And we're going to go out on a little thing that we like to call I Could Have Lied. Two, three, four. I could never change just what I feel. My face could never show what is not real. Could have lied, I'm such a fool My eyes could never, never, never keep their cool Showed her and I told her how she struck me But I'm fucked up now